Good to have you here on this Monday. I'm Kevin Thomas. He is Ben Troop. Glad you're making us a part of your day. So much to get to on the show. The Braves win streak. It didn't continue on uh, on Friday. It didn't pick back up till yesterday. They won one. Uh, they now come home for a big week. We'll get to that coming up in just a little bit. A lot of baseball to talk about. Also, we're in that lull between many camps and training camp getting started in the National Football League, and people start to say outrageous stuff like, is Tampa Bay not even the best team in the NFC South? So we'll, we'll get to that as well. Also, home team Brandon Leak will join us coming up in the final hour of the program. But Ben, Braves take one of three from Chicago. There's still five and a half games behind the Mets. The Mets are winning this afternoon 4 nothing over the Marlins. So it could be six by the time the Braves actually take the field. But he didn't play poorly on Friday, obviously not on Sunday. And uh, Saturday was just not a well-played game. But you're still playing, for the most part, pretty good baseball, even though you lost two of three to Chicago. And now a big week with San Francisco. And, of course, how do you keep from looking ahead to one Freddie Freeman rolling back into town coming up on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday? I mean, uh, uh, you know, big shout-out to the Cubs. I mean, I think, I, think going into, I think going into the game, Kevin, we just assume, I mean, the team hadn't lost. What I mean, they had won fourteen straight games, and they was obviously they was obviously going for uh, you know franchise record for most wins uh, in a win streak. You know, with fifteen, yeah, they came up short, and that's what I be saying too. When you get to talking about the make the, the bigs, what makes the bigs or pro sports uh, interesting is any team can beat you on any given day. It has really nothing to do with the records, momentum, star power. But I I think this Braves team, I I never ever want to lose. I don't want to say that, but. That's what you start talking about. It goes, it goes, it's half of what you've done to, God, can you get nine in a row, 10 in a row, 11 in a row, 12 in a row? Hey, man, now you guys are getting ready for the franchise record and you, and you lose. I think what I think what the Braves showed is, okay, lost two in a row, was able to bounce back, get that last one, getting ready to come back to Truist. This team is still very, very dangerous. I mean, Kevin, I go back to this Mets team said, dude, we was up about 10, what, 10, 10 and a half, 10 half games. games. That got – that got all the way down to what four and a half, right? And it shows people go, well, why do the Mets trying to push them? Because look how dangerous. This how good the Braves are. Yeah, you're not even talking about the Phillies, because that's how good the Braves have been, you know, in this stretch of games. But hey, I, I, I'm always gonna never ever gonna take uh take anything away from what the Cubs were able to do. A uh, great moment uh, in that series, obviously with the Contreras brothers. But I think that Kevin Michael Harris Jr. I think that what happens is. When you own and people kept saying, I know we, when it comes to fans or analysts alike, they're always looking for what was well, since Michael Harris been called up. I said, well, I don't think he was the spark because I mean he brings his his best. You know, I mean he adds his contributions, what he does with his glove. Even though as of late those plate appearances right. are definitely starting to get a lot better. But fourteen in a row is fourteen in a row. I mean, shout out to the Braves for saying, look, I don't know if it was the meeting they had. I don't know, but I just think that somebody said out of the last. 17 games, you've won 15 of them. That's a pretty, I'll take that any stretch of the season, even if so. I say we won 15 out of 17. I mean, coming from a Braves team that one had to get over the hump of finally winning three games in a row. Well, got that. Win a series, <laughs> got that. And I think the team is coming together, you know, in a way, because, I mean, you know, Acuna, I mean, you know, hasn't been playing his best. 
uh, baseball as of late. I think sometimes, you know, he's such an incredible player. It's, is he trying to live up to the name at every plate appearance? But, hey, Kevin, I'll take 15 out of 17 any day of the week. Shout out to the Cubs. You know, I just think that for all those fans, oh, the Braves ain't as good as we thought. Based off of what? <laughs> I mean, they lost, they, lost one, they lost twice, you know, what, in the last 17 games? Come on, man. I, I just think that when you talk about this NL East, once again, I know they still got to play, get a chance, gonna get a chance to play those Mets a lot down the stretch. This the second half, the second half of this season is going to be electric. Uh, yeah, I think it will be uh, as well. And you look at, uh, you know, Michael Harris continuing to play well. Spencer Strider pitched very, very well. And talk about could both of those guys potentially be in the running for Rookie of the Year uh, by the time the season's over? I think it very well could, uh, Ben. But a team that's skin fifteen and two in the month of June, and now's the port the point. I remember back on May twentieth. Mm-hmm. We said they won't play a team with a winning record till June 20th. Well, that's today. So the San Francisco Giants come to town. Jock Peterson uh, back in town. He's going to get his ring uh, coming up as the Braves take on the Giants. But to me, Ben, this big week, we'll get to the other uh, reason, obviously, uh, coming up a little bit later. But now you're playing teams with expectation. Now you're playing teams that do have winning records and people like trying to discount what they did against Lesser teams, they did what they were supposed to do. You won 15 of 17 games against teams uh, who were not great. Now let's see how you fare against a team like the Giants and Dodgers coming up. Because to me, against the Giants, good ball club. To me, it's a four-game series. You try to take two of them. I, I, I just think that's the, the easiest thing to look at as a, a team and say, look, this is a good team. They're also contending for the playoffs. Hold serve at home. If we can take two out of four, three out of four, we call that a big-time win. Uh, and do it because make no mistake, this is a big week. I think for the Braves, emotionally, you got the Jack Peterson ring ceremony. Ben, I I can't think of too many athletes who've been as influential in a short amount of time as Jock Peterson was as a member of the Atlanta Braves because it was about mid July he shows up and the Braves start playing a little better. They make a couple moves, but Jock Peterson's kind of that quirky energy guy that comes into the lineup and you know famously pins the. Uh, article in the Players' Tribune, why not us? Mm-hmm. Why can't we be those guys? We are those mm-hmm. you-know-whats. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, kind of famously became the saying in the in the postseason last year. And so I think this is an interesting kind of homecoming because, again, relative amount of time, John Peterson was about as uh, brave as long as Rasheed Wallace was in Atlanta Hall. I mean, it wasn't very long, <laughs> right, in the grand scheme of things. You played two, three months, got a ring, and you're out. But I think it's going to be big to see him come back and, and get his, his reception uh, back to Atlanta. But you're also playing a very, very good team in the San Francisco Giants. Kevin, uh, the, the, the main thing I took from when you're talking about, uh, you know, you're not playing a team when a written record to the 20th is you're building confidence. You like you get a chance to build a lot of confidence. Obviously, we didn't foresee a, a Michael Harris being added to the lineup, but obviously he was able to go out there and you see what he's been doing, shoring up, uh, definitely shoring up, um, you know, that outfield. We mentioned a guy like Jock Peterson. Jock Peterson came to a team and said, "Look, man, I don't know what you, I don't know what you guys heard about this ball club outside of this ball club, but people want to play over here. They, you know, I, when we did have Freddie Freeman, when you know, you talk about Ronald Lacuna, you, you talk about the firepower, you, you talk about Isaac, you talk about uh, you know uh, Dansby, and you know, and Austin Riley. He was saying, dude, y'all boys walking around. No, no, I can tell you what bad ball club. They're not tra- listen. A good player gets traded away from a bad ball club for one or two reasons. One." He's hurt, and two, he costs too much. We don't want to pay him anymore. No, I'm coming from a bad ball club. We can be those dudes. And Jock Peterson represented a mindset 
that I think the Braves played with. They didn't. They didn't say it out loud. But they, I mean, they're they're a very very confident bunch. Jock was like, "Look, man, I can trash talking with the Braves matters. <laughs> so I'm gonna talk a little trash, but yeah, I mean, uh, I was asking you before the show how many how many more Braves on other teams got to got to come to Truro, so we got to go there for them to get their rings. But Jock Peterson is very very influential. Um, <coughs> Jock Peterson has been in the news as of recent for things <laughs> have nothing to do with baseball, yeah. which is crazy. Which who knows if they'll even ask him about that, which I'm pretty sure they might. But I mean, they might be depending on if the media relations people are like, look, man, just you know, don't, don't, talk ask about, about don't, don't, don't ask about fantasy football. You know, fist the cuffs, none of that. <laughs> but I, I still think that's I, amazing. Oh, oh, it, it is. I, I just think that for a free game fight over fantasy football. Well, the thing is, too, Jock Peterson, even though he was like you said, Kevin, only a brave for a couple of months. He understands how good this team is top to bottom. Pitching, hitting, bullpen, defense, you know what I'm saying? You know, uh, even a DH, he knows because he goes, look, man, I was just an added piece. It's not like I wasn't a missing piece last year. I was just an added piece. And that's the thing about good teams. Good teams, you just add pieces. You're not necessarily missing anything. But, hey, man, this Giants team is going to come in very, 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 very confident. And I think the Braves, you know, Great that they got one out of three when it comes to the Cubs because it's different if you go on three when you just have a yeah. lot. You want 14 in a row. You back to – listen, end the one-end streak. I mean, win the streak can start another win – you know, start another win streak even though uh, it's going to start with one team carrying over to the next. We'll see what happens. But I do like the Braves' chances. I just think a guy like Jock – Jock made sure, hey, man, I'm going to live on. Sure. The, the years to come when it comes to the Braves – yeah, I don't care how long I was here. That's true, man. I but you, that but think about but that. Vet, but, vet, but, but, but him, you know, but uh, you don't Soler, get that. But you don't get ones. that. You don't get that a lot in other sports, man. Like you don't get uh, what happened with the Braves last year was amazing because you had Jock Peterson, Eddie Rosario, who really wasn't playing in Cleveland at all because he was injured, and actually the Braves traded for him, and he didn't become eligible to play, or he wasn't healthy enough to play until like September. And then you got you know Jorge Soler before the trade deadline. I mean, those are three guys that had huge postseason impacts that weren't even on the team July 1. And you don't get that in other sports, Ben, where you go right along and go, this guy wasn't even here and makes a gigantic impact in two months, and then he's not on the team anymore. Right? I mean, it's the same with Jorge Soler. Gigantic impact gone. Like, he came in, was a fireball, and was gone. And, and, and not on the team anymore. You just don't seemingly get that in other sports where guys come in, are... As you said, I don't know if it was a missing piece, but the spark, and then, spark. And, then, and then they're gone. Like, yeah. Have there been a, has there been another influential guy in that short amount of time than maybe a Jock Peterson? I would say even Jock Peterson more than Horace because Horace Dillier was kind of known for what he did in the World Series, which was huge. But I'm talking, but he comes in in July and kind of pushes the team into thinking, right? Because if Jock Peterson comes in and he's eh, do the Braves even bother making that trade for Horace Dillier? Are they out of it? Right, so I mean, that's that's one of those things that I look at and say, has there been a guy on such a short amount of time have as big a quote unquote impact as maybe Jock Peterson did on the Braves last year? I, I don't, I don't think you can. I, I just like like you said, Kevin. I mean, uh, I, I can't remember. Uh, I'm it's, it's, right, so he's a Braves legend. And he played for the team for three months. Yeah, I mean that's not the, the only the only. I mean, and, and, and his name will come to me after after this segment. The, the safety for the Rams last year that was on the couch. And obviously Raheem Morris called him, but he already knew the defense. Right. But that's for, but that's that's essentially a playoff run. That's four games. Right? That's not that's not going because the thing the thing about Jock Peterson, what it is, is Kevin, he became the voice. Like most of the Braves say, look, man, we we have fun. 
You know, you know, obviously we can hurt you with our, with our, you know, with our, with our bats, but we don't talk a lot about what we're going to do. We, we speak more internally and very, very complimentary of each other, of our opponent. Jock Peterson, like. Was it Eric forget- Weddle? Yes, Eric Weddle. Eric Weddle was, uh, Eric Weddle was probably the only one that could come to mind because Raheem Morris said this. Think about this. Raheem Morris, defensive coordinator for the LA Rams, they, they safety goes down. They go, dude, I need to die. Now think about the think about the backup safety saying, "Oh my God, I'm gonna have to be the starter." But I haven't been the starter. All year. Eric Weddle, listen, Eric Weddle been out of football for two years. He goes, "Look, bro, I'm just asking you, are you in any kind of shape? Yeah, can you run a little bit? Yeah, I need you to come up here because I'm gonna put you in a position to just think about Eric Weddle. Look, if we lose the game because of you, it ain't it ain't even you." Because we got ten other guys that should be, we still got Jalen Rams, you know, we still got you know Aaron Donald, you know, we still had different layers. He was able to come in and shore up a defensive backfield that was going to have a lot of holes in it if he's not there from a getting guys lined up. The thing about Jock Peterson was Kevin is Jock Peterson said what the fans were thinking. Like so, there are certain fans that think the Braves are way too nice. Like make no mistake about it. Like like the Braves are one of the best teams in the bigs. But they're very – it's almost like they're saying, let's not ruffle any feathers. No, 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 no. But yet they throwing – I mean, the Marlins throwing at freaking Acuna like all the time. Like yeah. he's not a, a top five, definitely a top ten talent. So what Jock Peterson said, look, dude, if I'm only going to be here a short amount of time with this much star power that got a chance to win it, I'm talking trash. Like talking trash is a part of the game and iconic in what he said. And it's, it's almost like, Kevin, when he said it out loud – the other guy's like, we can be. Like, yeah. Like, that's the mentality that a lot of people have. Some of the most successful people, that's how they think. I don't walk into a room. I control the room when I'm in there. Jock was like, look, dude, y'all walk around like y'all ain't good. Y'all are incredible. Freddie Freeman, you're the best first baseman in baseball. Ron Lacuna, both of y'all was in the top ten talents in the bigs. Y'all on the same team. Y'all, Desby, uh, Isley, Freddie Free. Austin, this is the greatest infield in Braves. What are we doing? We walk around like, please don't say anything. If you put Snit and Alex Anthopoulos on any other team, they don't do what they do. Not, 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 not with what y'all have done the last four years. So, love Jock Peterson. You know, love what love what he meant. And at the at the at the ceremony, when they gave him the mic, I was like, is he gonna say it? Oh, he did. And when he did, I was like, iconic. I mean, just, <laughs> you know, mic drop. So love Jock Peterson, man. Love, love his contributions last year. And we've got so much more to get to here on the show. 912-342-7184. 912-342-7184. You can join us. Braves fans, how you feeling about Freddie coming back this week? Do you think he's going to get booed? We'll talk about that uh, coming up on the show and more. 912-342-7184. You can hit us up on Twitter, at Pigskin Radio, streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com. You can also catch us. Live streaming on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Good to have you back here, three and out on this Monday, Kevin and Ben. Ben, something happened over the weekend. I think you know it happens seemingly a lot in sports, but I don't know if people appreciate it uh, as, as much as maybe they should. But you had William Contreras and his brother playing for the Cubs, obviously playing against one another. You had the Contreras brother. Uh, playing against one another, basically baseball on Saturday. They both catching for their uh, for their respective teams. I mean, I think that's just a really cool thing that you look around and say it is hard to make it as a professional athlete. 
I would imagine as a brother, younger brother especially, it would have to be hard to make it as well, to have both brothers make it. I mean, I look around, and you got Justin Verlander's there. His brother, Ben Verlander, obviously same family. He does a Major League Baseball podcast. He didn't make it to the league. You get, I mean, but you look around, and you see combos of brothers uh, making it in professional sports. I mean, obviously that's got to be special. I know you and your brother were competitive. Could you imagine if you made it to the NFL and playing defensive end on the other side? Was, was your brother and just what that would mean to be able to do that in that kind of, uh, you know, that kind of setting, because it's hard to get there. And I know they, they, they talked about it and said, look, we know the journey as catchers to get up here and try to play in this game. Uh, it is unbelievably difficult to go international player, minor league, minor league, minor league, try to work up through a system, especially where you find a good catcher. They usually don't, leave a lot of room for you at the major league level, but for both of them to get there, big accomplishment, special moment there this weekend. It was, Kevin, it was. I mean, you think about it, you I mean, you're sitting there at, at – that, that, that's my, that might be one of those situations, Kevin, I don't know which one got called up first, but, you know, you calling your brother saying, hey, man, I got called up. And then that's one of those ones, the second call is even better. Hey, I got called up. And then, you, you know, everybody looks at the schedule. You know, whether you're a pro, you know, you're looking at who you're playing. That's, that's the best walk-up you're ever going to see next up. You know, at you know, catch your and, and your brother's yeah. in there, and you understand how rare it is. You understand the fact that, dude, you start thinking about everything from. Every, I, I like when you talk to players. They say, "Man, my parents and you know, playing baseball every weekend. It seemed like every weekend, if not every other weekend during the year, uh, just making it." And Kevin, when we talk about one of the hardest positions to play, I mean, in baseball, catcher, <laughs> oh, that's up there because, listen. A good catcher is rare. A great catcher is even, you know, even more uh, rare. And when you look at the fact that you got two guys in the majors, brothers, that got to make their parents and their family extremely proud of them because, you know, that hug was serious. But, Kevin, then again, you know, do you, do you, you know, being a catcher, do you tell the pitcher, hey, man, give him some sweet champ you. That's my brother. Oh, Just no, no, listen, no, listen. <laughs> I, I only say this because it's, it's funny you say this. Both of my sons play baseball, and they happen to be in a situation where they were on – Opposing teams were separated by age, but the situation worked out where they played against each other this weekend. And it was just kind of a cool thing uh, to see. And my older son, somebody said, what are you going to do if you're pitching? He comes up to bat. And my older son said, oh, I'm going to hit him. And I said, Man, why? I said, what, are you scared that little brother's going to get a hit? You're going to have to hit him? Uh, and so that was one of those cool things. But that's just, you know, they're, they're young kids. I can't even imagine... All the work, as you said, been blood, sweat, and tears to get there and achieve at the uh, at the highest level. And you think about, you know, the, the 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 talent you both have to have for Wilson, who got called up first uh, a while back, and then William, who's come through the brace system, to both make it to the major leagues and stick a little bit. That is extremely difficult. I think you just had the, uh, the one of the Seager brothers. One played for Seattle. One played for the Dodgers. And I think the older, um, I'm going to get him confused. That's why I'm just going to call him the older, retired there from Seattle uh, before the season started. But to have two brothers make it to me in, in, in today's climate where there's so many guys trying to take a spot is incredible. I mean, you, again, Ben, talk about, you, we, we were talking about this in the, in the break, the Matthews family, wow. where you have both, you know, brothers, cousins, whoever, they're all making it. And your dads were great players and you made it. The Mannings. Archie, I mean, I, which do you think is harder, Ben? Two brothers to, to succeed or have a dad that was really good and the son make it? Because, again, Archie Manning, really good quarterback. And not one, but two. 
of his sons made it and played at an elite level. Ken Griffey. Ken Griffey was a tremendous baseball player, and his son makes it, and he's elite, yeah, an all-timer. Yeah. I mean, to me, that is impressive. Because it is. To me, the, 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 the dad's good, the son's feeling it, right? And it's like, okay, do you have an inside edge to make it? You probably do, but we've also seen the number of, of times it's like, hey, dad was an awesome player, son made it, and it just wasn't yeah. the same. Everybody's like, oh, you're not your dad. Yeah. Well, well, thank you for that. But I yeah. mean, uh, when you talk about family members making it in professional sports, which do you think is harder, the dad than the son or having two brothers coming up in the same house to both reach that ultimate ultimate it's, peak? It, it has to be the dad and the son because you know, you know how it is, Kevin. Both of your sons just happen to love to, love to play the same sport. Sure. A lot of t- okay, you, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, right, has uh, has two sons, right? They both played basketball at UCF. It just didn't pan out. There, there's no way they're gonna live up to that. But you talk about the guys that do make it. They understand at a certain point, it becomes half I want to follow in my daddy's footsteps, and the other half is I want to build my own legacy. I think building their own legacy is is the hardest thing to do. We was looking at the Matthews, Bruce Matthews. Literally was an all pro at every position on the offensive line, center guard, you know, and tackle. He was the uh, he was the ninth overall pick. His son Jake was a sixth overall pick. And 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 when it comes to offensive offensive uh, linemen, they're looking at games played. His daddy played in like two hundred and forty some games. I think I think uh, Jake right now is at like one hundred and ninety eight. It's 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 hard, Kevin. I think it's uh, uh, Clay Matthews, Clay Matthews Jr. Right? It's his dad, I think, is in the like I think in like the Minnesota Vikings, like a Ring of Honor. I obviously Cleveland claim it. Browns. Cleveland Browns. I'm sorry, Cleveland Brown. Uh, I think that um, um, uh, I want to say Cameron Jordan, defensive end for the Saints. Dad played tight end for Minnesota. So I think when you come up in that type of setting, oh, I know. Now this is the craziest thing: Channing Crowder, that played for the Miami Dolphins. His dad played for. I think they're the only father and son to ever get drafted by the same team. And if, so it's it's almost like you saying to yourself, hard enough to get there. Then I actually <laughs> want to be productive after I get there. But I do think it's father and son, Kevin, because you want the best for your son. And if you were a decent player, cool. But you know it's extra added pressure. Big, big enough, I mean, I'm, I'm, at, I'm a pro. Now I was, man, you remind me of your dad. You look like your dad. You know, Derek Brooks' son went to Florida State. There is no way you can live up to certain like like Tiger Woods' son right now is a golfer. The likelihood he's gonna get his pro car one day is probably I don't know one hundred percent. But you know it's almost like oh man he's looking just like his dad or what may have yeah man. But some of these things are just ridiculous you know amounts of pressure on them. But to everybody that has done it, it is rare. I mean Eli and Peyton, you know. The pay, the Manning family is the royal family. Because I think a lot of times you take a step back and you go, well, I mean, he's the Manning. I still, I mean, Eli still had to prove his worth. Yeah, Eli Peyton still, Manning Eli, still Eli, had to Eli, do it. Peyton, I mean, Eli. Arch Manning might be the best quarterback coming out, and he's got Manning on his shirt. Yeah. He's still got to prove it to get to the NFL, and then he's got to play to that level. I, I mean, mean, I mean, think about it. Uh, Eli Manning and Peyton Manning are the only two brothers to go number one overall. Well, LaMelo Ball... And uh, and his brother, I, I, I can't even think of, think his name right now. The Mello brothers, I think they went two and three. Lonzo, Lonzo, Lonzo and Mello went two and three, you know, in the NBA draft. And I, it's, I think when you start thinking about this, Kevin, because we know how. Yes, I was blessed enough uh, to be able to make it to the National Football League. Me and my son have the same name. 
right? My son likes to play football, right? And right now, it, it, it becomes that, well, being man, what if you – listen, it's almost like while I don't want him to have to deal with it, there's nothing I can do about it, right? Uh my son says, Daddy, I, you know, I like the University of Florida. Be careful. <laughs> because, Kevin, you know how it is. You would tell and, him to go somewhere else? No, 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 no. I, I, I would just, it, it's, it doesn't matter. Look, it took a lot of bravery for Eli Manning to go to Ole Miss, right? He could have said, hey, <laughs> Payton didn't go to Ole Miss. Yeah. Man, I'm, going, I'm staying away from that. But, but you see the legacy in Tennessee. That's another thing, Kevin. Is it harder? We're talking about is it harder to go pro? Is it harder to go to your father's alma mater? Especially at a place like Old Mister, where the freaking you know, the freaking speed limit is eighteen. Miles. Yeah. It's just it's just so I, I now with the Mannings. Now we're going you know third generation. Now you got grandsons coming. So, but I always gonna say father and son because you got to go to the dugouts. You got to go to the uh, you know, I got a chance to meet Mel Blunt's son. I'm not gonna you know we're gonna have him on the show uh, later on in the week. And when I met him, you know, he was like. Uh, man, you know who Mel Blunt is? I'm like, yeah. He's like, I'm his kid. And I'm looking at him like, what? And in, and so I started talking to him about, hey, man, I got to play with Jared Payton. J- Jared Payton. <laughs> think about that. I am the son of Walter Payton. There is nothing I can do. And Jared Payton came into the NFL as an undrafted uh, rookie in 2004, you know, in our draft class. And I said, Jared, what do you want to do in the league? He said, I just want to score a touchdown. That's, that's it. My daddy is – by some people, the greatest running back to ever play in the National Football League. I just want to score a touchdown. My daddy probably has 100. <laughs> I want one. Because I think he understands, Kevin, there's nothing he can do. Like, I mean, think about this. He, his name ain't Walter Payton Jr. His name is Jared. <laughs> For a reason. Like, look, man, I don't want him. So I, But it's always going to be father and son, Kevin, because, you know, Patrick Mahomes' dad played baseball, right? He right. played football. You know, if Patrick Mahomes, I know Patrick Mahomes has a, I think he has a kid. And I don't know if it's a son or a daughter. If it's a son, if his name is Patrick Mahomes Jr., Lord, have mercy with that. I think it'd be the third, right? Then his dad, Pat Mahomes. Yeah, listen, yeah. Like, here you go. I give you one. I give you one name. Leave it alone. If Tom Brady's son <laughs> plays football, can he go anywhere? He he can't go to Ohio State. Can't go to Michigan State. <laughs> right, and if he gets drafted, you know how it is. But yeah. shout out to the fathers and sons, even to the brothers that's doing it. You guys are about as rare as rare gets when it comes. To sports. Yeah, unbelievable uh, thing there. Something's going to be interesting. I, and again, I'm looking forward to this. We've got to wait all the way till Friday, Ben. But I want to get your thoughts on it. And again, if you're out there, your thoughts as well on Freddie coming back to the ATL. How do you think that's going to be received by the fans there in Atlanta? Nine one two three four two seven one eight four. Join us here on Three and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Great to be here on this Monday. Something coming up this week. Obviously, a big week for the Braves, Ben. You got Jock Peterson and the Giants coming back uh, here early this week. And then on Friday, the much-anticipated return of Freddie Freeman. And I asked this to some people before. They said, oh, it'll be probably." And I honestly thought that it was good that the Dodgers weren't going to be till later in the season coming to uh, Atlanta because they, the Braves played out in L.A. fairly early in the season. I think people were still you know, in their feels about it. What kind of reception do you think Freddie Freeman's going to get? Because there's a lot of people that said, look, you didn't take that much more money, right? Maybe your agent messed around and played a game of chicken and you lost in your estimation. Uh, But there are some people that were, you know, say, hey, save me the crocodile tears, Freddie. 
The Braves made you a good offer and you didn't take it. And they moved on. And then you got your feelings hurt about it. It's like, oh, I just you know, went and sat in the corner for hours. You know, uh, after the news came that they, they got Matt Olson and it was over. So, I was talking to our own Christian Gokel, second down. And I'm sure he won't mind me saying it because, I mean, it's true. It's what he said. He said, I said, what do you think will be the reaction for, for Freddie come Friday? He said, oh, boom. I was like, really? I was like, you think people are still on? He goes, not because of him. It's because he lied. He lied about this. And I was like, okay, like, I get it. But season's halfway done at this point. It's over. He's not coming back. Do you let it go and move on? And, again, I remember when Tom Glavin, this is different in some respects, Tom Glavin took the money and played for the Mets. And when the Braves play the Mets, Tom Glavin would get booed all the time because he took the money. Freddie said he wanted to stay in Atlanta. There was a deal that in the light of day aftermath, Ben, wasn't really off the mark in terms of competitiveness, right? So people were like, oh, the Braves are just being cheap. Not really. They offered him pretty much what the Dodgers gave him, more or less. One less year, but the same, yeah, pretty much the same average annual value uh, that the Dodgers offered him. They got they offered him one less year, and then Freddie comes out. You know, it's like, hey, I just, you know, I can't believe it. I was speechless and this and that. It's like, well, they made you an offer that was pretty good, and you didn't take it. And then once the Braves moved on, I think maybe his offer from LA went down a little bit, but. How do you think the reception is on Friday? Are Braves fans still, hey, boo this man, he was Mr. Brave and you left us? Or has enough time passed for the average fan? Because there's some people that hold grudges forever. But for mm-hmm. the av- average fan, you're like, hey, it's over, it's done. Matt Olson's on pace to break the franchise record for doubles in a season, potentially. Hey, give him his daps, his claps for what he did for the franchise. He brought you a World Series and move on. Do you expect to hear a lot of boos on Friday? Some cheering? What do you what do you expect? I, I definitely expect uh at first, I think the cheer is gonna supersede the booze. I think I think that I think that a guy like Freddie Freeman, Kevin, whether he know it or not, he, he don't understand how much he means, you know, to the city of Atlanta, to the Braves organization. And sometimes it takes leaving to really understand what you meant to this organization. Now, it's gonna be it's gonna be all love from the beginning because I think the atmosphere is gonna make us, hey man, we're gonna he gonna get his he gonna get his cheers, he's gonna get his claps, he's gonna get his uh his tribute. When he steps up the bat, it's going to be booze. And I think that that's how it should be. So you think the ring ceremony, yes. everything's fine? Yes. Then when he comes up, yes. now batting. Yes. Boo, because like think that. about it, Kevin. Let, 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 okay, let's just. Like let, worse than anybody else? Yeah, it should be. Because, because, it's, <laughs> because Kevin, it's not. The, the, the great thing about social media now, we, can, we know everything's going on in real time. I ain't waiting on the paper to come out. I ain't waiting on the night news, nightly news to come out. And it's what you said. Essentially, you left the Braves for nothing. Like, you didn't get any more than what you thought you were going to get. And at one point, you was kind of nervous because you was the last big name to drop. Everybody else going, you're like, well, where's Freddie Freeman going to go? Now. I mean, there are people that hold it against the Braves well, yeah, now, for, for, but, for but, not going ahead and taking care yeah, of it. I understand but that. Listen, I, listen, there are the BJ Bennett's of the world who think it was disrespectful, but it wasn't. It really wasn't. They took care of Freddie Freeman, and they know this will probably be Freddie Freeman's last big multi-year deal this many years. But the thing, but the thing the Braves had to do is say, look, man, what Freddie Freeman forgot was I built this team not around one guy the last four years. Like, make no mistake about it. 
There are two guys who are going to get big-time deals. One decided to leave, and the other name is Ron Lacuna when it's time for him to get big money. Again. But what Alex Anthopoulos said is, look, man, it's not my money. I can only offer what this, what this financial group is saying we can offer him. And we're giving him $5 million more than the highest-paid pitch, I mean, first baseman in baseball. And this notion of what he want, it does, wanting what you want doesn't – that's not how negotiations work. I got to think about the future in the present when I'm signing for – I get Freddie too much. That's going to hamstring us for that because make no mistake about it. I.e. Matt Ryan. Exactly. I got to hamstr- I got to make sure I got money for, for guys on the roster we want to retain and guys on other rosters we might want to go after. That's negotiations. But if you are Freddie Freeman, I mean, Kevin, look, if Freddie Freeman wanted 150 and he got 200, 200 psh, but he didn't. And the thing is, the Braves got younger. The Braves at the position. The Braves understand that we're still contending. So, from what Freddie Freeman has meant to the Braves franchise, oh, man, got to give him his love for that. Got And he walked away with the ring. Had a lot to do with it. Was incredible in last year's postseason. But when he stepped up the bat, it should be booze. That, to me, <laughs> that to me is what sports is, right? Like, let's call it what it is, Kevin. All right, Kevin. You know, you coach, you know, you coach. So, you're, looking, so you're looking at it more of, Away from the game is fine. Game starts. You're wearing Dodger blue. Heck with you. Is that basically what you're saying? Like, yep. And then when the game's over, thanks for all you did, Freddie, but I hope you don't beat us. And God forbid the Dodgers have a walk-off well, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. with Freddie Freeman yeah. at play. Yeah. But I'm, I understand that. I'm saying usually the visceral reaction of a guy coming back for the first time, and you know you see it when you know, guys make their trips. I think the first time uh, you know the Cardinals weren't going to be able to compete with what Albert Pujols got with the Angels. He comes back. Some people are giving him the, you know the standing ovation. Guys come back after being Braves, do something great. Yep. They give you the standing ovation. Do you think? I, again, I think it's going to be a mix. I don't know what that mix will be of people who are appreciative of Freddie and people who say, "I appreciate you, Freddie, but you left. You yep. you you were you were dishonest yep. by saying I want to be a Brave for life. Yep. And when the opportunity was there, you went and took another took another one. Yeah. So. I think there's people that are going to hold that against him, and I don't know if they'll ever let it go. But yep. I, if I had to guess on a Monday, I would say I'm thinking it's going to be like 70-30 cheering yeah. for Freddie. Yeah. Which, but, I mean, but, there's but people you, that listen, might be you want, nothing, you want nothing else to strike him out or get him out. Because, no, no, no. I, I, people look at booze the wrong way sometimes. Booze, listen, booze is another way, you know, uh, of being acknowledged, you know, by a fan base. Most fan bases could care less who you are. They're not booing or cheering. Next up at bat, you, you cricket. They, just, they coming out, you know, they coming out of the batter's box with Freddie Freeman at, you know, at first, but boo! Boo this man. <laughs> you're booing him for a lot of reasons. So you're advocating the boos now. Yeah, because Kevin, sometimes right, think that's... about this though, Kevin. Kevin, we're booing him because you still got love in your heart for him. That's where the booze, the booze isn't coming from just cause you like this. That's the guy that, you know. Certain people got introduced to being a Braves fan through Freddie Freeman. I started watching the Braves when they got this yeah. guy. Well, I think there's certain people you feel like are going to be lifers. Yes. And then when they're not, oh. you, you, you get your feelings hurt. Well, and it's well, like, you know, uh, uh, Greg Maxwell is my all-time favorite pitcher. He's right up there. He started with the Cubs, came to the Braves, still my, my all-time. So I, I think people let – Tom Glavin people thought was going to be a Braves lifer. And he left for the money. I think a lot of people thought John Smoltz would be a Braves lifer. It didn't work out. He he left, and uh, it wasn't because I think the Braves thought he just was pretty much done, and he wanted to play another year or two. I think then you look at Chipper Jones, who was a Braves lifer, who was there for the duration of his career. Been, and then you look at, at people thought you had Chipper Jones 2.0, right? 
Chipper Jones, hey, I'll give you a deal to stay. I love Bobby Cox. I love what the Braves organization represents. I love. I will give you a deal to stay and play my career in Atlanta. Freddie Freeman comes along. He and Chipper are boys, right? The famous bobblehead now of, hey, Chipper went and rescued Freddie in a snowstorm, and, hey, they're buddies off the field and all that. And, oh, man, we got Chipper Jones 2.0. Great player, all-star, great, per, you know, great uh, Atlanta Brave. He's going to be here for life until he decides to quit playing. And then it didn't happen. And it didn't happen, not because the Braves said, we're just not going to do it. Yeah. It didn't happen because, reportedly, A, you took too long, and, and B, there was, uh, you turned down a comparable offer. I think that the Dodgers gave him one more year, which average annual value is about the same. So you got one extra year for about the same money as Atlanta was willing to give you. Uh, and, and, you t- and, and people were saying, listen, yeah, it would yeah. be one thing if it was disrespectful. Like yeah. you said, but it's like, hey, we're going to pay you $22 million mm-hmm. average annual value. The Dodgers just offered you $32 million mm-hmm. average annual value. Okay. You know, I think most people understand that, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. It was like it, was it wasn't. Not. It was not that far off. So I, like I said, I think a lot of people are hurt over the Freddie situation because you looked at him and you said, "Hey, Chipper 2.0, great player, started in the Braves organization, gonna be a Braves lifer," and it didn't happen. And then when something so rare like that happens, because you look around the league, uh, Miguel Cabrera was a Marlin, Giancarlo Stanton, Mike Stanton, when he came up, was a Marlin. He's now with the Yankees. Anthony Rizzo was a Cub for a long time. He's now, uh, you have, you know, guys bouncing all over. The the idea of a lifer in professional sports just doesn't happen. Well, and when you get that opportunity, I think fans want that reverse loyalty coming back. And sometimes it doesn't happen. You get feelings hurt. I think there's going to be some booze coming up on Friday. Give us your thoughts. 912-342-7184. It is three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here, three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you are with us. Take three around the corner. We'll look at the uh, offseason now in the NFLs. We're in those uh, doldrums between minicamp and actual training camp getting started. So we'll talk about that coming up. Home team Brandon Lee going to join us coming up in the final hour as well. But Ben, U.S. Open, Matt Fitzpatrick wins it, wins his first major over Will Zalatoris. And uh, all the live golf guys. Nowhere to be seen. Most of them missing the cut. Kevin, I mean, listen, Liv just wants the publicity. Liv said, listen, we don't control what they do when they out there. They still pros, right? Go out there and get it done. But the way that old boy won and the way the old boy lost, that was hard to watch, oh, well, ladies and gentlemen. Missed it by yes. that much. Yeah. And I did think it was funny, like, you know, just if, however you believe in jinxes, that they said, man, this guy's been hitting the most fairways. Like, this reminds me back in, like, 1960. Nobody's hit more fairways. And on the 18th tee, he shanks it into the trap. And you're going, you just jinxed him. You just jinxed him. He hits it in the trap. And then the second shot to put it up there was just absolutely amazing. We'll come back, take three around the corner. It's three and out. Good to have you back here, three and out on this Monday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, counting down towards Braves and San Francisco Giants. Coming up a little bit later tonight, right after we are done here on three and out. We'll look at uh, this offseason now that we are officially post-minicamp, waiting for training camps to start Coming up in July and more coming up this hour. Home team Brandon Leak will join us coming up in the final hour of the program. But first, let's take three here on three and out, Ben. And take one. Yesterday was Father's Day. And I saw a lot of tweets, a lot of posts about, I think Tom Brady said, hey, happy Father's Day out there. 
And Eli Manning tweeted back at him and said, Thank you, son. Sports daddies. Who are some of the best sports daddies out there? Mm. Wow. This, this can go a lot of ways, people. Because I saw a lot of people tweeting about who they were, who were the daddies out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and go through some of them. I mean, yeah, I, I saw the whole uh, George and the day, the day the daddy of the SEC East. Uh, somebody put Michigan's rush defense versus <laughs> Ohio State's, like, rush offense or something like that. Uh, no. I mean, the best. When you win once in a decade, I don't know if you're anybody's daddy at that point. Yeah, the best. The best, uh, the best sports daddy is Greg Sankey. He is a sports. <laughs> that's actually pretty. He, 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 that's he, actually pretty good. He, yeah. He's a sports daddy. He is the commissioner of the SEC. You go back to you go back to when we had the pandemic year. The SEC was the only one that 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 started when they said they was going to start. They're the only conference that's putting two teams in the national championship. Outside of a couple of Clemsons, you know, winning the national championship as of late, LSU. Alabama, Georgia, and he's the most powerful man in college sports. Now, when you start talking about, you know, when you start talking about who's the daddy, that's Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald is the best player in football. He just read up, and who's going to question it? If he come in and say, I'm the pappy, nobody's going (laughs) to say a word, right? Nobody is going to say anything. But but these are the real but this is the, these these are the, these are the two real sports daddies. That would be Tiger Woods and LeBron James. They are the only two active players that are billionaires. What can you say to them, Tiger Man? I ain't won a major in a while, and LeBron, <laughs> I still man, got more than you. Go, hey, I still got more yeah, than yeah, you, yeah. and LeBron, LeBron. Y'all didn't make the playoffs, and it's almost like what can I say to a person that's in the top one percent? Period. I'm in the top 1% in sports. I'm in the top 1% in life. I'm in the top 1% in economics. I'm in the top 1% in money. And that's one <laughs> billion and counting. The money hasn't stopped. He's making money right now while we're on this show. Once again, Greg Sankey. <clears throat> you what? know, when you start talking about Aaron Donald, huh? And it, LeBron and Tiger Woods. Because I, I, I get when you start talking about things of this nature. Now, if you start, because Kevin, I mean, obviously you got the real dads and you know things of that nature. But for me, man, hey, I, I just think when it come out, when I talk about sports daddies, man, and uh, right now, yeah, if you are a collective at any college, you are a sports daddy because we don't know how you getting that money, <laughs> we don't know where it's coming from, but we do know whatever you giving the players, you ain't just doing out the kindness of your heart. You ain't saying they get everything. No, you never said that the player. Read that fine plan. These are, you know, different entities coming together to be able to provide opportunities. Well, our last time I checked, collectives, they ain't free and they ain't cheap. Yep. And they are only getting bigger. So, you know, NIL, collectives, uh, yep. Tiger Woods, LeBron James, Greg Sankey, Aaron Donald. Yeah. Have, y- have y'all days, sir. Eli Mando, that stuff was funny. Yeah. No, that's say. No, that's good. I think uh, I did see where Vanderbilt sent out 13 Father's Day cards to the rest of the league. Said, "Hey, appreciate you letting us live under your house, play by your, <laughs> we'll live by your rules. It's okay. Thank you." I mean, right now it might be uh, you know, teaching I mean, us that life is not fair. I mean, the city. I mean, the city. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, the city of Omaha is definitely the daddy of the Tennessee Vols baseball team right now because they are not there. And for those of you know, and for those of you, because 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 this is the part, Kevin. The pettiness of sports, we all got it in us. 
and you are a, you are a season away, a play away, you know, from you know Tennessee this and Tennessee that, Tennessee this and Tennessee that. Tennessee didn't make it to Omaha, so you start talking. So, in, in, in the words of, of B.J. Bennett, greatest and best, it might be the best team in Tennessee history. But when I go, when I look up Tennessee Vols baseball national championships, it's crickets because they've never won one. Not saying that they haven't had incredible success, Kevin, but Kevin, it's like you said, until you cross the finish line, you have not crossed. That's right. Don't get to celebrating too early. So, you know, giving people the one-finger salute and talking (laughs) trash to the umps, you better win it. But you got beat by touchdown Jesus himself and touchdown Jesus in Omaha and, well, Home run, Jesus. Home run, Jesus. And hopefully you got good cable. You got good Wi-Fi to be able to get, you know, catching the HD because you will not be there horsing up no Yeah, Auburn's playing today right now. Mm. You want to catch it? Mm. All right, moving along. Mm. <laughs> moving along, take two. Uh, ben, EA Sports apparently put out there that they are set to release their new college football game in Jul- July of 2023. So almost a year, we will have a new college football game that you shut down. I did. Yourself. I did. So all the people that are like, why don't we have college football? Yell at Ben True. 100% his fault. Sold out for 50 bucks. <laughs> or thereabout. Yeah. That's what you said. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I, I sold I'm, out. I'm, I'm, I'm I, listen, I got a thing in the mail. It was a picture of me with 84 on. People said, is this you? Yeah. Did they use your name and image? They did. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because you, know, you, you, you think it's going to be more than what it is. And then, and then, and then you know, yeah. uh, when I got the check, I said, you could have gave me this out your pocket. I had to wait yeah. for this. With that being said, the game's coming out in July of 2023. I understand they've worked licensing deals with all the colleges. Of course, if you have any sense, why would you not want to be aligned with that video game? And reportedly working out deals so that uh, all the players that are in the game will receive something uh, as well. That being said, take two is who, though, is on the cover. Because it used to be a guy that was in the league or a guy that had just graduated and was no longer in college with grace to cover. Uh, you know, like the Larry Fitzgerald. I think he who was I think was he the last one? The Larry I think Fitzgerald he was, he was, was the last. But he was no longer at Pitt, even though he was wearing the Pitt uni on the cover. Now we have NIL to come into play. Who's on the cover? Wow. I think, I think that for this year, since it's coming back out, uh, you know, I think that because Kevin, you know, we don't really know who should be, it's something that you said. It should be a regional thing. I think that every player, because I, I know they can do it for a cover, every single player in college football should get a cover with them on it, meaning that, that that's only going to be singular. Like to a them. personalized yeah, copy like a personalized. And I, think that, and I think that every cover we've ever had up until this point should be on it. To be like, listen, man, this is what we get. This is what we getting back to. So you take everybody's head, and it's gonna be small. You take every <laughs> cover that that's that's been, and you put that on there. But you give every, you give every single player, because to me, you're welcoming it back. We're in the, we're in the times of nil. That's something that's gonna be forever, right, Kevin? No, we part. You know, we 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 from the great state of Georgia, so you know you know what uh, you know what beverage we you know what beverage we drink, Coke. Right, free. You know, if you got, if Kevin, if you had a Coke machine, you just driving down the street. Yeah, you see, you know, you see a hologram of you on the front. You can go. Is that me? Just caused an accident. <laughs> but I don't care who you are, Kevin. You walk up. You walk up in a gaming store. 
No one told you this. And then, you know, I don't care. I'm out no, you know, college, NCAA, whatever. Your kids go, Dad, it's you. What? Really? Let me get that. No matter how, you're going to get that. You give every player, you know, every player to play football, you give them their own individualized cover, and then you just take every cover and, and make, make that the official one because it's a welcome back. Now, Kevin, something we said too. Look. If each individual college had their own cover, it's going to sell. They are going to sell out, right? They are going to well, sell out. Well, in the day of all these platforms where you don't even really need a physical cover, you download the game, you could have a digital, basically, cover. But I know you want a national face. My guess was, and I was going to answer, I would say, I know he's going to pro, and it would be kind of cool to do a NIL deal for somebody, but I think first year out, it's probably going to be whoever wins the Heisman this year. I'll say Bryce Young yeah. as like, hey, welcome back. Yep, Bryce is going to the NFL, but I think you need a a face. Like Arch Manning's not going to commit to Georgia, Bama, or Texas, and then in in you know July, five months after he commits, it's hey, Arch Manning's on the cover. People be like, I mean, I get it, it's a Manning, but it's like you want somebody that's established yes. in college football, uh, and I think to me that's uh, going to be an interesting part of you want to plan this out. Who would be a Heisman front runner? Basically, two seasons from now, that would be a college guy. Oh, yeah, the high, the guy and, that, and that's hard to project. The guys it? are the most, you know. Uh, but that's hard wait, to project wait, wait, right wait. now. You know what it is? Though? Let, 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 let's take it. Let's take it. Let's take it. Let's take it. Uh, let's take it like this. Then, I know that if you play a certain position, right, you get tired of seeing one your position never represented when it comes to certain stuff. So maybe you say, "Yeah, man, we got different covers for it." Like, what you mean? What do you? What, what position you play? Oh, I play quarterback. Oh, so we got. We got a certain number of quarterbacks on there. We we play. We got running backs on there. We got because I think Kevin now with marketing and advertising, you got to get you know. Actually, I just thought of something. Don't don't hate me, everybody. I'm not me. Depending on how this year plays out, he would be graduated. But to hype up, obviously the road to the championship and all that. Put Stetson on the cover. Be like, hey, go from a prospect to a oh, yeah. play, play your way to the championship like Stetson. That would I, be an interesting thought. It would. He it would, would not be a current college athlete, so it wouldn't really fall under an NIL at that point. Yep. But just a thought. No, no, no. I, I, I the just possibilities think that, are I, endless. Yeah, I, I will. Yeah, I, I think I think I do like the digital thing because everything now is digital. You know, physical physical copies of things are. You know, that way. You yeah. know, people think, oh, we're going digital. No, that's they're AKA collect, saving, they're, saving money. They're collectors no, items no, at this point. So yeah. Do the digital thing, and I hopefully, like, like I, I said, I, my my thought would be, like you said, I, I said, like, hey, most people now will probably just download the game. Onto their console. Oh, yeah. Some, and so when you download the game, the first question is, hey, Ben, who's your favorite team? You pick Florida Gators, and whoever they have a local NIL deal becomes the poster boy every time you load up the game, and it's that guy on the, quote, digital cover. That's the way to do it. Just just me thinking outside the box. All right, moving along, because this is – we've got to get to the, the, the important questions, especially uh, at this stage. Today, as we like to do the, uh, the national holidays, it's a very special day for both of us, Ben. Yes. Is uh, National Vanilla Milkshake Day? I'm I, gonna go. I, I like I like the the stuff you add to it. Yeah, but this may be the bakings of the uh, you know the goat treat. I know yeah. we like to throw goats around, and I don't want to start oh, dessert, I don't want to start like a, yeah. a, a dessert petting zoo. Yeah, but it's hard to top a vanilla milkshake. Oh, oh. with something thrown in there. I, I, or whatever. I mean, it's hard to do. Who so how, how did the vanilla milkshake come about? Well. <laughs> Some it's not us. ice cream. It's, it's not it's, milk. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, hey, man. I, I will, Kevin, you are right. Now, 
This might be how everybody got introduced to milkshakes, through the vanilla. You probably haven't had a lot of vanilla shakes since then, unless you're just a vanilla fan, right? But, Kevin, you are right. This is the this is the main ingredient for everything that came after it. When you start talking about adding stuff, now, if you're going to add something to any milkshake, vanilla is going to be the best one because you're going to be able to – everything still holds. It's, it's, it's consistency. Me, personally, I'm not the biggest milkshake fan. I'm, I'm, I'm with Kevin. I'm the, I'm the melted – <laughs> Vanilla ice cream. I'm drinking it out the bowl. Boom. But when you talk about adding ingredients, hey man, let's do it. I mean, whatever, whatever you want, because don't till you get one thing to throw in there. What is it? If I only get one th- brownie, if I only get one one thing to throw in there, brownie milkshake. Yeah, cookie dough is pretty good. I think Oreo is kind of the standby oh my, for me. Oreo is cheesecake is making its way around of these course. days. Uh and uh, over the weekend I had a uh, I had cheesecake in a glass. For those of you who just anyway, was, was it a shake or what was? No, no, no. It was. Uh, I explained this real quick. No, yeah, it, it, okay, at the top you got whipped cream, then you got cheesecake. You got whipped cream, you got cheesecake, and, whip, and then what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to take it and shake it up. It's, it's cold. You take it, shake it up, and mix it up, Kevin. And you and you get a spoon and you start elbowing kids. Nope, nope. You ain't getting none of this. And when I tell you, Kevin, with the with the graham cracker crust and the cheesecake and the whipped cream, Lord have mercy. <laughs> how many of the, how many of those cups did you eat? Well, what had happened was I told the kids <laughs> that it ain't no more. <laughs> and I took – and I, I was at my mom's house, and I took one. Might have took two, and I left. Oh, Kabita, I got to go. Got <laughs> to get on out of there. So, <laughs> so just say them, them little mason jars. You know, I'm going to wash them out, and I'm going to, you know, put, put my favorite beverage in it. But, yeah, yeah, Kevin, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you a cheesecake in a glass and – it ain't listen. It ain't our favorite. It ain't. It ain't your favorite. Uh, uh, uh um, uh, Halloween candy. Right. But it is close. Cause I said, what is this right here? And I had. I and I had a cheesecake cake. So like, like when you got it, did somebody tell you that's what it was? Or were you just at, like that looks oh, pretty I kept good? Looking like what is this? I said, oh. Was it being saved for somebody else, and you just took it? Or Happy Father's Day, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> That's take three. We do it every day this time. We're coming back. The long wait continues to the start of NFL training camps. We'll break it down here. It's three and out. Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here on three and out. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. Thanks for making us a part of your day, Ben. The mini camps and such are over. Now the the countdown continues to actually get to uh, to training camp. I was talking with somebody a minute ago. He's like, man, we got the long got the long wait now until. You know, football starts back, and I was like, you're right. You got, what, about four weeks, five weeks until minicamp starts. What are you doing in these weeks? As you were talking about, it's like, hey, if you're trying to make a team, now is not the time to be going to make it. Because I think a lot of people would say, okay, there's no football, right? Can't, no no working out, none of that stuff happening. Let me get the, let me get the vacay in before we start the long grind of the season. It's going to beat up my body, test my mind exa- exactly. You said no. You better not be doing stuff kind of like that. At least not prolonged vacay. What What are these next four or five weeks like? If you're an NFL guy waiting for training camp to get started, it's it's uh this, this is when you this is when you figure out the difference between uh being you know uh, uh being a pro because you're in the NFL and actually uh, acting like a pro because you're there. When you're a rookie and you're trying to navigate, what do I do? Follow a veteran. These veterans right now, the guys has had. You know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten-year careers. They didn't get there because they were the best player. They're the best condition. 
They're the best mentally. They're the best physically. They're the best emotionally. They're getting themselves ready for the grind that is known as training camp. They want to come to the training camp ready to go. They don't want to be coming to the training camp kind of half-stepping. So they get they, listen, they're already they're getting their rest. They're getting their workouts in. And, and it's not that you work out. It's how you work out and when you work out. You need to be working out hard, and you need to be doing something to keep, to keep your heart rate up, and you need to be doing it in the heat. Don't be doing it in these well air conditioned areas. You know, now, do you gotta get your stretching on? Yes. Do you gotta get your, you know, uh, you know, you gotta get your treatment on? Yes. You wanna get like acupuncture and different things on? Yes. But when it comes to working out, you should be out there in the heat, grinding. Because if I have prepared myself for that for which is coming, when once I once I add to the workload, my body can adjust to it better. Not that your body, because your body can't go from I'm not doing anything to here I am. Play in, play out, play in, play out, play in, play out. Cramps, injuries, dehydration, and so on and so forth. And this is when your teammates kind of figure out what were you doing with your time. Once again, you're no longer in college anymore. You have an obligation and a responsibility, you know, to those other, what, right? At this point, the other 52 guys that's going to make the roster, plus the practice squad, plus the training camp guys, plus nothing is in stone. I want to leave no doubt if I am a veteran and if I'm a rookie, I want to create optimism for myself to be able to generate, you know, uh, some level of trust from the head coach and the, and the position coaches. Because, Kevin, like I said, guys that come in flying around. When I was with the Tampa Bay Bucks, that was the best training camp I ever had. Now, I was dealing with uh, plantar fasciitis at the time, and I didn't know what it was, but I was ready, man. Like, you know, when I see Rondé Barber, when I see Chris Hovan, when I see Derek Brooks, when I see Kevin Carter, when I see Jeff Garcia, you know, and company, and Alex Smith, and, you know, uh, and, and uh, you know, and, uh, you know, Gilmore and everybody, you know, I, I, what, I, what I understood is I will not be the weak link. If I'm going to stand out, I'm going to stand out because I'm making plays. If I'm going to stand out because I know where I'm supposed to do, how I'm supposed to do it. And I was learning the West Coast offense under John Gruden. Those who don't know, John Gruden loves football. <laughs> I mean, he is – it is what he loves, loves calling plays. But I think what I also had to understand was is, man, I need to know what I'm supposed to be doing. Every time a coach calls me up, I need to be making a play. Every time they go to the to the staff meeting room and they get to the tight ends, I should be standing out. Oh, man, like to play Benz, make it like to like which because I am representing myself, the, the position group, and the team all in one instance. And I had to learn that, that it's not about – look, playtime is over. I get a chance to enjoy life when football is over. Because if, I, if I'm if i not using every inch of talent and ability that, and gifts that I have, I'm doing myself a disservice. Forget the team. And you have to grow into that. You have to grow into that understanding that, man, uh, football is incredible, but it, it's, your, it's your career. It's your livelihood. It's what feeds your family. It's what helps feed other people's families. Because if I make that catch to send us to the playoffs, that's an extra check for the whole team. And you start to realize, wait a minute. Yeah, man, that's how important it is, but – if you are a rookie, please find you somebody you respect on the team because Instagram and Twitter and YouTube and TikTok, number one, don't post where you're at. Don't post what you're doing. <laughs> you know, go, get, get, listen, get away, from, get away from what you've grown up in. Go work out. Go work in silence. I was, I was able to meet, I was at this event, I was able to meet the L.A. Rams uh, staff, a lot of their staff, not Sean McVay or anybody, but, like, you know, uh, a lot of the scouts, a lot of the, uh, you know, equipment people and uh, uh, videographers and so forth. And I asked him, man, y'all boys got uh, Aaron Donald. He said, Aaron Donald ain't coming back just to be all right. He's coming back to dominate like he's dominated. 
He said, I didn't want to come back to a team that wasn't going to compete. And he's done all you can do. Add the Super Bowl, first right. team all pro every other year since he's been in the league, but he still wants to dominate. That's what you up against. So I would say if you are a rookie, find somebody that's not a rookie to figure out how to get myself in the best shape possible between now and training camp. And if you are a veteran on the brink, make sure you're doing what you're supposed to do. But that's Kevin. Listen, it separates the real from the fake because I'm telling you, the club going to be there. Your family members going to be there. Uh, your friends going to be there. Hanging out going to be there. <laughs> the NFL will not be there. And you'll go from hanging out with your friends, getting ready for training camp to, hey, man, you got plenty of time to hang out with them now because there is no more training camps. So, and that's, and, that's, and that's the thing. Some of these rookies are about to see something they've never seen. You're about to see what the NFL really is, and that is people getting cut. I've never experienced it in high school or college because everybody's welcome. Everybody don't play on Friday night, Kevin, as you've seen. Everybody don't play on Saturday. Ain't nobody getting sent home. Now, it goes from 90 to 80, 80 to 75, 75. The biggest cut is the last cut. It's the biggest one. And now it's only three, it's only three games in training camps. Now it's no longer four. So, good luck to everybody. It I think sometimes, the- like, you see that and you go, okay, it's a big grind of a season. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to dip. I'm going to go. To a to an island location somewhere and relax before I take this beating, uh, you know that's that, that's kind of what I think everybody thinks. Like, okay, I got a month to a training camp, but a lot can happen. Obviously, over the course of a month, as you said, hey, I'm at the resort, right, working out inside. It's 72 degrees, <laughs> getting my quote reps in, right, and then you show up at Flowery Branch. And you say, Coach, it's hot out here, <laughs> exactly. And so you kind of put in a little different perspective there of just what guys should be doing. Uh, even though there's no activities going on around, uh, you know, around the facility, uh, what they should be doing for this month and how much can happen over the course of a month if you are not, I guess, ready for it is what I'm getting at, especially for a team like the Falcons, who it's like, if you don't, if you aren't going into Falcons training camp thinking you got a chance to play, look around, man. There's, there's competition everywhere on that roster. Yeah, and, and the one thing I had to learn about the National Football League is it's, it is a business. It's not personal. As personal as we take it, as much as we don't like how a lot of the decisions are made, it's the top 53 going to make the team. And it's not – look, I was at, I was at uh, the Tennessee Titans when, you know, Steve McNair wasn't let in the building. The greatest player to ever play for the Titans. The, you know, the, the first MVP uh, of the Titans. Matter of fact, wait a minute. He's the only MVP to ever. He was a co-MVP with uh, Peyton Manning. The only, the only cornerback to take them to the Super Bowl. They, they, they locked him out of the building. Why? Because they said if he comes in here and he gets hurt, we owe him his entire contract. The contract that he signed? Yeah. <laughs> so he left and he ended up being a Raven for the next two years. All I'm saying is, Kevin, is when you start thinking about what pro sports is, it's a business. It's not for the weak. It's not for the timid. It's not for the weak-hearted. And you see certain – I've seen a guy get cut. He's, he's on his way to the plane. They tell him, hey, man, we need you back. He gets out – you know, he's headed to the plane. I think, he's on, I think he's on the plane like he hasn't left. He gets out the plane, gets his bags, comes back to the facility, plays on Saturday for the preseason game, and they cut him after. It's, I've seen a guy who wasn't on the team all during training camp. They said, man, you've been working out? So, yeah, man, come on, man. We got one preseason game. Like, we was playing Houston. They put him in there because a lot of the veterans wasn't going to play the last preseason game. He goes, he plays, he plays all the snaps, and they cut him. Right after. And, and, and mind you, 
I said, well, dude, y'all ain't even giving him a shot. Uh-huh. He's getting an audition for 31 other teams. Victor Cruz is the best. Victor Cruz was an undrafted free agent, right? He plays for the He plays for the Giants. The Giants are playing the Jets. They're trying to save money uh, as far as, like, how far players go, right. teams go. Uh, uh, coach Ryan, he's the head coach of the Jets. He's looking at this. He's looking at this. Uh, this Cruz kid, Cruz out there, killing, killing him, DB, killing him. He said, "Hey, coach, man, I like that Cruz kid, man. I'm like, we, you know, he was trying to buddy him up, but see, coach, coach Coffin's like, oh no, we ain't cutting him. Oh, I know <laughs> what you think. You finna do? You think you finna cut him to come over there? And the rest is history. Obviously, go. I'm telling you, it's." Look, to make it to the National Football League, you're talking about a diamond in the rough. It's only going to be 53 guys make the squad, and only 30-something 30 of, 30 of those guys are going, are going to dress on Sunday. So you compete to make the 53, then you compete to make the, uh, the teams that dress on, on Sunday, then you're trying to start, then you're trying to, then you're trying to produce, then you're, trying to, then you're trying to produce at a high level, at, on a consistent level, avoid injuries. Welcome to the NFL. But if you right now are up looking at, you know, Sports Center talking trash on 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 social media, talking about they don't know how good I am. You have lost your mind. No one can listen. Certain people are paid to uh, to uh, critique and cover you. You are paid to give them something to critique. Get your behind ready because number ninety nine <laughs> for the Rams is coming, and he's coming for everybody that play offensive guard and center and offensive tackle with a different color uniform on. And he's coming with cruel intentions. <laughs> we got more to come here. A lot of other stuff happening here, potentially still in the offseason. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Going to be back here on three and out home team. Brandon Lee going to join us coming up in the final hour of the program. Of course, uh, got Jock Peterson in the house. Saw some photos of him and some of the Braves there at uh, Truist Park. Talk to uh, home team about that. Freddie coming back uh, this week. As well, so looking forward to uh, to that conversation. Talk some NFL uh, coming up at the uh, top of the next hour as well. A lot of people saying could it be New Orleans, best team in the NFC South. We'll get to that coming up in just a little bit. But uh, Ben, speaking of the offseason, people forget there's still free agents galore uh, out there. I saw our good friend John Shipley, Jaguar reporter on SI, say, "Look, there's still some free agents that could help you know the Jags." And you forget he he mentioned a few. Uh, You can go read his article. I won't give all of them, but. You know, Will Fuller, Jason Pierre-Paul, a couple of names here. You're like, Woo. those guys are Woo. hanging around out there maybe to be gotten. And this is where you can get guys right on the cheap because at this point you're like, well, I mean, training camp starts in three or four weeks. The phone hasn't been ringing too terribly much. Might it be deal time for some of these guys that can come in and really improve uh, your football team? If you want to continue your NFL career. I mean, I think sometimes the market lies to you. Talk about a guy, Jason Pierre-Paul, won the Super Bowl with the Giants, won the Super Bowl with Tampa. And Jason Pierre-Paul is the greatest USF bull. I mean, went to USF right there in Tampa. And I get it. You know, people want to continue their careers. And sometimes, Kevin, we think we're worth more than, than the market is saying. But you want to continue your career? You get to continue your career potentially Excuse me, with a team that didn't want you to more in Tampa in your division. And Terry Farno. Obviously, ain't working with a lot of money, but yeah, you're talking about certain free agents still out there. I think JPP will be a huge. How many sacks he got? I mean, in his career? Jaguars could use him. I mean, if as insurance against uh, Quavon Walker or Trayvon Walker, excuse me, if he has a slow start, you need to be shown the way too. I mean, I think what we forget to veterans are there for different reasons. 
I'm there to lead the way, but I'm also there to show rookies who I know. Look, I get it. The guy coming behind me is going to be the guy. But he needs to know what it's going to take when he becomes that. That's what people don't get. It's like, oh, man, uh, Steve Smith Steve Smith Sr. is the greatest example. Steve, McSen- Steve Smith Sr. get drafted in the second round. He was a he was a pro bowler, kick returner. Musumu, he said, hey, yo, so he goes to the Pro Bowl. And uh, Coach Harbaugh of the Ravens is a special teams guy right. over there. And he says, hey, man. I want to, one of them guys said, oh, those guys are receivers. Oh, why not? He said, well, go over there and catch some passes, right? He gets back from the Pro Bowl. Musa Muhammad said, you know how much uh, starting receivers in the league get? And he told him, because Musa Muhammad was a starter. Musa Muhammad was no longer in, uh, in North Carolina. Then Keyshawn Johnson comes, and they, they, they draft Dwayne Jarrett, second-round pick out of USC. I don't know this to be certain, but I don't think Dwayne Jarrett was taken under the wing of a Steve Smith the way Steve Smith was taken under the wing of a Musa Muhammad. Somebody showing you the ropes is pivotally, it's pivotal, man. It is so – because talent ain't enough. Like, ability ain't enough. You got to know what you're doing. And what and, – and because people go, dude, how he been in the league 15 years? He's outsmarting everybody. I mean, Ray Lewis in the league was 17 years. He wasn't the same linebacker in year two. He was in year 17, but he had it. He had it. Hello, Hello T-Sizzle, Bart Scott, Ed Reed. I don't got to be the best. Those are the best. So how you know? Ed Reed, defensive player of the year. Uh, Terrell Suggs, defensive player of the year. Hello, Denada, a 350-pound man is the reason why RG3 is no longer in football. He caught him. I told you, they're going to catch you. <laughs> so all so all I'm saying is get with, once again, Kevin, like I said in previous segment, get with a veteran to show you how to get your body right, eat right, do things right. The same thing now when you're talking about wanting to be able to salvage your career. Jason, JPP, like a Marcus Mariota, no matter where he goes, no, I'm here to mentor. If I want to play, if a coach say, hey, man, listen, man, if you're going to be around, man, I need you to get these young guys up to speed. You can still have a good career doing that at, down the stretch, though, right? Yeah, Andrew Whitworth, who just finished up a career with the Rams, he didn't practice during the week. He played on Sunday. Like, dude, I ain't got – what the hell? I, ain't got, <laughs> I, I don't got nothing for these – let let the backup tackle get in. Think about it. The guy who was backing him up the last two or three years is not going to start now. Now, he didn't start on Sunday because Andrew Whitworth, obviously, he, he knows what he's seen all done at all. Now he's ready to throw somebody in a starting role that's never done it. If they can make it happen, may God be with them. They just happen to be one than ones. I need to know what to do. <laughs> like, think about this. If if Kyle Pitts get drafted and Tony Gonzalez is on the team, right? Just, just say he is right. one year. Tony Gonzalez said, dude, they, you got to do this to get open in the red zone. Well, you, you think you're the first person to get doubled? They double, they doubling me my whole career, Kansas City and with uh with Atlanta. They say they, he said, "Listen, if you ain't affecting the scoreboard, you affecting the box score. Scoreboards are what matter. Box scores are for fantasy owners. So at the end of the year, man, incredible. Yeah, when you sitting around talking, about, yeah, man, you know what about touchdowns, crickets? Got to get in the end zone. So yes, Kevin, the JPP, the other guys are still out there that could be definitely be added. I think the Falcons need JPP. Whoop. Well, no, he was. It was. Well, I mean, it was just, he was just mentioning. He covers the Jags. I like, hey, that'd be a guy they." They need it, but how many? I mean, do the average fan understand how many guys are? I mean, maybe not as bad as the transfer portal in college football, but how many guys are just sitting out there? Oh, it's a lot. Saying, it's, it's "Give a me lot. a shot." Well, it's a, it's a lot, Kevin, because the thing I'm about talking foot, about veterans who have been in the league. It's that a are lot, it's, it, they, and they and they probably all talk to each other. What's up, man? You good? What you want to do something again today? Want to go work out? Want to because your best years are behind you. 
You're not getting, look, you're not getting uh, bigger, faster, stronger as you play in the NFL. You're getting smarter, right? You're not, the fastest you ever going to be is when you're 21, 22, wearing, wearing some boxer briefs and some cleats with your hand on the line. Let's get it. That's the fastest you're going to run. Now you've added a wife, children, <laughs> bills, family members, the stresses of playing in games, injuries. You see what I'm saying? It's like it's hard. But run, so I, I think that a lot of guys have to come to the realization that, dude, this might be my last shot to ever play football unless, you know, got, just got in contact with The Rock. And you're going to be playing his league in 2023. <laughs> but that's next year. You want to play in 2022, you might want to find you a landing spot that has a lot of young guys, <clears throat> Atlanta, Jacksonville, that don't have a lot of production, that need to know what it takes to be a defensive end slash outside linebacker in the National Football League. And who knows, Kevin, you can walk out of the facility as a player, walk right back in with a polo shirt on, a.k.a. a coach. Oh, don't think that's how you can get introduced to coaching, too. If they saw how you was a player, hey, listen, man, we can't pay you what we paid you as a player. We can give you a couple of dollars to be a coach. You don't got to hit nobody. No, but you get to yell and scream. And you get a, you get a, <laughs> you get you to get yell at everybody spot. else. <laughs> you, get a, you get a whistle. You know what I'm saying? And listen, listen. And you don't got to recruit. Why? Because we got scouts. What? <laughs> Tell him. Nice gig. We just, you just get who we give you and you <laughs> yell at them and shape them into better players. Hey, we got more to come here. It is three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. Also streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com and live streaming on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Go to our YouTube channel, ESPN Coastal. Subscribe. Get those notifications uh, every time we go live and be a part of the show there on YouTube. It's three and out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Welcome back. It is three and out on this Monday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, thanks for making us a part of your day. Is New Orleans the best team in the NFC South? We'll talk about that coming up in just a little bit. Also, home team, Brand Elite. We're talking Braves baseball with him as we count you down towards the Braves and the San Francisco Giants. I guess pearls all around tonight for Jock Peterson returning to the ATL. Jock Peterson, listen, you are a Atlanta Braves legend. You are a pro sports Atlanta, uh, a pro sports in Atlanta uh, legend. Not just for what you meant to the team, but the mentality you brought to the team. The the uh, the phrase known throughout sports: "We are those you know what's." Yep, exactly. Hey, and again, I, I I throw it out there. I would like the. I mean, Ben, we we thought about it for a little bit. But like, has there been an athlete in sports recently that has had the impact of a Jock Peterson, and then they were gone? I.e., Jock showed up in July. He came in and said, why not us, fellas? Like, almost from the beginning, he's like, this team's good enough to win the World Series. Why not us? And they, couple, and then they win the World Series. Jock, you know, gets everybody fired up with the pearls. And, you know, then, you know, as you said, writes the article in the Players' Tribune, uh, all that. You win the World Series, and then he's gone. It was a moment in time. Jock Peterson, energy, World Series gone. Kind of the same thing, you know, with Jorge Soler, but I think Jock a little more so because he was that first move and he came in and said, I don't know what y'all are talking about. This team's better than what they're playing, and we can win it. And I said in the first hour, if they don't make that move to bring in Jock Peterson, I don't know if they make a move to get Eddie Rosario. I don't know yeah. if they make a move to get Jorge Soler because yeah. he comes in immediately. They kind of turn a little bit of a corner, and Alex Anthopoulos says, I think we got a chance. <clears throat> if they don't make that move and the Braves kind of continue what they had been doing, Ben, do they even make that move to try to put a run together? No, I, I don't know. No, and Kevin, once again, 
tell me a tell me a team that can take that that, that a player like uh, you know uh, Ronald Cooney Jr. goes out and the morale of the team isn't so bad that and the mentality of the team is just so bad, but. They kept it together. They probably went to Freddie and said, Freddie, hey, man, just talk to him eternally. We got you. Like, we we have been building this team. But what Freddie didn't understand was we are building this team to not be surrounded by one guy. And like I said, I've never seen three guys like Rosario, like Peterson, like Solaire, like be be such key contributors. But I think different than Solaire and uh, Rosario, Peterson came in with a vocal mentality. He said, look, man, I've been around teams, and this team got it. That's and I would have loved to play with Ronald Cooney Jr. Make no mistake about it. But Ozzy, Freddie, I mean Dansby, and then you talk about uh, you know Austin Riley. I mean Austin Riley and they're pitching. Oh, dude, we can go out there and, and then when they did do it, it's almost like what does that do for the Braves? And say, dude, why do people on the outside of us see us differently than how we see us internally? Not saying they didn't, they just didn't vocalize it. Jock Peterson is that jolt of energy and enthusiasm and confidence that that Braves team needs. But who else have we seen that kind of does that in sports, where it's like you're there? And then you're on the team, you win, and you're off. Like I'm trying to think of examples, and not coming straight to mind. Maybe because Jock is recently, but yeah, I'm trying to think of a, a late season trade. You're there, you win, and you're off. And it was like it's, it's hard. It's it's, it's hard to do because even in football, if somebody trade for you, you know, you probably not getting traded to a team that's going to be worth anything. You're yeah. probably, they're probably just trying to get you off the books. It's an anomaly, Kevin. Just like listen, that listen, the 2021 Braves are so crazy because they went on this win one, lose one, win one, lose one, win one, lose yeah. one. Then you talk about you know Soroka never never ever entered into a game. Then you talk about the emergence of Austin Riley. Is he just you know? And he showed that he's. I mean, what? Uh, Freddie Freeman's coming off MVP season. Shoot, he had an MVP caliber season last year. And I, I just think that what Jock Peterson says, it's like saying, Kevin, Jock, you know what Jock Peterson was? Jock Peterson was Matthew Stafford. Dude, you give me a nice squad. Why? Because I get to be a piece. It's hard to be a key piece to anything. Right. I'm, I'm a piece to a puzzle that's already put together. Final hour next. Good to have you back here. Final hour of three and out. Home team, Brandon Lee, co-host of The Locker Room. Uh, there on 680 The Fan in Atlanta will join us in just a little bit. Braves and Giants, then Braves and Dodgers later this week. So a big week for the Atlanta Braves. And we'll chat with home team, Brandon Lee, coming up in just a little bit about that. But, uh, Ben, uh, again, I know you want to say certain things, not you personally, but uh, to try to get a reaction. But, come on. I mean, Dan Orlovsky said, what if Tampa Bay is not the best team in the NFC South? It's New Orleans. I mean, is it? Is it real? I know they got a lot of young talent in there. And we shall see. But better than Tom Brady and the Bucks, who have been to a Super Bowl and what were very close to going a second time with Tom Brady, they're, they're not as good as the New Orleans Saints at this point. And then you ask a question, well, if that's the case, if you're the Atlanta Falcons... Can you beat Carolina to not be the worst team? If you can't be first, don't be last, right? Is the way I kind of look at it. But let's start there. New Orleans, is that a ridiculous thought uh, in the NFC South where a couple years ago people were saying, man, you got Tom Brady in there. The rest of this division might be garbage uh, at this point. Now, I mean, is New Orleans good enough to say they're the, the best team in the division? They got a shot. I mean, Dan Orlovsky, he ain't far off. I'm going to tell you why. All right. You, you, you talk about a guy like Jameis Winston. I want to say in his first seven games, he was either five and two, or in his first nine games, he was seven and two. So had a winning record before he went out for the for the year with the injury. You start talking about Alva Kamara. You start talking about you know getting Michael Thomas back. You add a guy you know with Chris Olave. 
right? I mean, you got a pretty you got a pretty nice offense with 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 uh you know Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, and obviously Chris Olave. Oh, and by the way, you also add Jarvis Landry. So you got a slot receiver in Jarvis. You got your two outside guys in Michael Thomas and Chris Olave, and you got Alvin Kamara in the backfield with a guy in James Winston that can definitely distribute the football. Now you get over to the defensive side. You know what you got, uh, and Cameron Jordan. You know what you got at linebacker, Demario Davis. You know what you got at the slot cornerback and uh in our uh, Chauncey Gardner uh Johnson. You know what you got in Marshawn Lattimore. And what did you add? You add a one honey badger, Tyron Matthew. Tyron Matthew on the back end, a ball hawk to safety. Uh Chauncey Gardner Johnson, to me, I mean outside, you know, I think he might be the best uh slot corner uh nickel uh you know in the international football league marshawn Lattimore is going to get paid when it's time for him to get his new money and you got demario davis uh, an all pro linebacker with cameron jordan who all he does is go out there and get it done now you move over to tampa bay you got tom brady got leonard fournette you got mike evans right i mean you know godwin is going to be back at certain point you add gage coming over from freaking atlanta Then you talk about a guy, then you talk about no JPP, you got Shaq Barrett, who's been paired with a guy like JPP who's no longer there. Adamic and Sue, who's no longer there, right? I mean, you got Vita Vail. Yeah, I know you got Antoine Winfield in the backfield. I know you got Devin White, Levante David, but I just think you got a different squad. No Gronk right now. Gronk is probably saying, I don't want nothing to do with training camp, not doing it. If you want me, might give me the regular season, right? Uh you start talking. You start talking about a team that's shown some signs of weakness because you ain't got to say JPP and Shaq. When it was JPP, Shaq, Barrett, Vita Vea, and Adamica Sue, who you gonna block? When you're talking about Devin White, Levante David, I get those guys. You got Antoine Winfield in the backfield, I get it. Leonard Fournette, he all right, he good, but he ain't he ain't nothing special as far as like what people thought he was gonna be coming out of LSU. So Dan Orlovsky, I get it, Kevin. We are in the world of sensationalized takes, sensationalized media going viral. But Dan Orlowski ain't far off. I mean, I nobody hates to disagree more than Dan, with Dan Orlowski than me with some <laughs> of the takes that he has. But when you look at – we said this. I think the best team might be in New Orleans. That don't mean you're going to beat Tampa. Because at the end of the day, the best quarterback usually has the best shot to have the best record in that division. James Winston, Marcus Mariota, Sam Howell. I mean, uh, Sam Darnold. Right now, you know, right now – the same New Orleans team, minus Jarvis Landry, minus Tyron Matthew, didn't make the playoffs last year because they lost to Atlanta in the regular season, the first game they the first time they played, but they also had Maddie Ice. No Maddie Ice. So so right now, Kevin, the real question is can Atlanta beat Carolina? Because the worst roster in the NFC South, it is Atlanta. I mean, the wor- the worst team in the NFC South, it is Atlanta. The most question marks, Atlanta. Wait, the youngest you're, you're team, you're worse Atlanta. than Carolina? Yeah, Kevin, because it's the thing. I mean, Christian McCaffrey actually plays running back. And but, I, I, back I get middle, that. Right? Is he going to play running back for 17 games? I don't know. Well, well there well, you, you go. Got, you, got Brian, you got Brian Burns, the defensive end, right? Uh, You'd rather have Sam Darnold than Marcus Mariota? No. I'm not saying they're great no, no, choices. No, no, I'm just, I'm just no, saying no, you're going to win no, it with quarterback, no, right? Look at this thing about Sam Darnold. Sam, at least Marcus Mariota played his full rookie contract with the Titans. <laughs> Sam Darnold didn't make it a full rookie or a rookie, okay, rookie so we, contract. We got a check for the Falcons. That's all I'm saying. All right, okay, now running back, I go with Carolina. Assuming he plays the whole season. Any D-line in football <laughs> is going to be better than Atlanta's D-line well, that's at, true. At, at this point. Right? That's true, yes. Now you start getting down to the receiving core. Robbie Anderson – 
I mean, he's a good player. I, you know, that that's where Atlanta – well, Carolina might have a better receiving core because you got a lot of unknowns we talk about. But this, this is what's going to hurt Atlanta. Secondary, I'm going to have to go with Carolina. They got a really, really good secondary, man. I mean – you know they they're gonna they're gonna get they're gonna get some guys back, uh. You know and I and I and I just think that Kevin. But it, but in all that being said, I think Atlanta got a shot. If Atlanta could get some level of contribution, some consistent contribution from the D line, if they could figure out how they <laughs> just just consistent. That's, that's asking a lot. That is. Okay, we was going through these numbers. Yeah, we have uh, they have what. Uh... The leading uh, returner had one sack. Balling. I'm talking about out of control. <laughs> just ridiculous. Just, the entire I, team <laughs> from a year ago, you're returning one sack from the D, from the D line. Yeah. One. Uh, uh, that's was, not, as the kids would say, that's not good. Yeah. I just think that at the end of the day, uh, Atlanta's gonna Atlanta's gonna have to do their best to make sure they're not bottom feeders. We know we know they won seven games last year. Sure. When you start talking about where they pick Carolina and you know Maybe uh, Sam Darnold can do the Falcons a favor and you know pull a Brett Favre, just run to the end and fall down. We can touch him and get a sack. Yeah. A la Michael Strahan for the record. Right? Oh, he fell down. I Thank mean, you. like I said, you got some free agents out Two there. Still, you got some free agents out there that can still help bolster some of these, you know, like Atlanta Falcons roster. They're going to have to be a, uh, on a one-year deal. But 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 I will say this. Atlanta still has, you know, A.J. Terrell. They do. A top, top, a top three cornerback as far as uh, they added, they added, uh, they added uh, Hayward coming over. Um, they added Tease Tabor. Um, you're going to have to see what they're going to do at the safety position. Like I said, Lorenzo Carter and company, man. We're gonna have to see what they got. We well, hope Atlanta, Richie Grant takes a step forward. Yeah, because he you, did you not do Richie much. Grant in, take a step forward. You know what you got? In, you know what you got in Kyle Pitts. Got to see what you got. You know, uh, Drake London. Uh, you got to see what you got. You know how they gonna use Cordell Patterson. Uh, you know, uh, you know Alden Tate and different. You know, and company. Who you know who's gonna who's gonna emerge with Damian Williams and company at the running back position. A lot of question marks. We'll see what happens. But I just I just think that. When we start talking about Kevin, what does Atlanta Falcons team can do? If they can find a way to not be last in their division, that's something to build on. But then again, <laughs> it's gonna come down to okay, you gotta beat Carolina. How do you look when you play New Orleans and a Tampa Bay? Sure. Hey man, it's it's the it's the it's the it's the pop quiz that never goes away. Cause the biggest question mark in the NFC South is not the Falcons. It is not Marcus Mariota in offense, it's not Lorenzo Carter in defense, it's Arthur Smith. You don't know what type of coach you got in him yet because last year I put it all on Matty Ice. Matty Ice sure it up a lot. How many yeah. wins was Matty Ice worth last year on that team? Three. And they won seven. I would say three because the defense, Kevin, we looked at it. Can't stop the run. Can't get to the pass rush. So that so means you're looking at what, uh, four and 13? Am I, is my math right on that? Yeah. It, that I'm just saying, if, that, if that's true, right? I mean. Fine, listen. Fondo, well, he, he he picked ninth this year. Were they ninth? I think they picked ninth yep. this year. They picked four the previous year. Yeah, you don't want to be picking seven <laughs> or six. Well, look I, again. I feel like it could go either way. Like I feel like, depending if there is some improvement from guys that you brought in, guys that you drafted, could you get to six? Maybe seven, I know the schedule's tough, but could you get to maybe six, seven wins again and be picking in a similar spot? I, I think if you get to that six, seven wins, Arthur Smith, you could say, might have done two 
sensational coaching jobs to get that team to 13 wins in two years, uh, given the talent on the roster. Now, I will say I, I'm like you, Ben. T- to me, the onus on Arthur Smith is, okay, we know you can coach up a, a bunch of guys that weren't your players and were trying to adjust to your scheme, and it wasn't the best roster. Okay, fair enough. I'm more concerned with can you coach up the guys that you wanted, right? You yeah. wanted Kyle Pitts, and I'm not saying Kyle Pitts is bad. Kyle Pitts almost broke the or did have the rookie record for receiving yards. But as we've said a hundred times on the show, Kyle Pitts had one touchdown on the season. Yeah, one. That's 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 you as an offensive coordinator saying, "Look, I know everybody's looking at him, but I got to figure out a way to get my guy the ball." Right? People knew Calvin Johnson was going to get the ball. Got him the ball. People know Cooper Cup's going to get the ball. Got him the ball. People knew Michael Jordan was going to take the last shot. Bulls made sure they got him the ball. People knew Kobe was going to take the last shot. They worked stuff to make sure they got him the ball. And I think you can – I get it, Ben. I, I'm, but I, I tend as a fan, and tell me if I'm wrong, look at it more of, hey, we really have a lot of great receivers, especially when Calvin Ridley went out. We were kind of tough. Fine. All the more reason, figure out how to get Kyle Pitts the ball. And I don't mean at the 40-yard line. Get him the ball in the end zone. Give him a chance in the end zone. I know he's learning, but yeah. coach him up. to Hey, That's Kyle, not, you're going to get double teamed in the end zone. you got to get open or we can't score. I, you're, moving so, this, you're moving the chains. You're giving us extra possessions. You're helping us get down the field. But the money zone. But, that's all, but again, that's the guy you wanted, Arthur yeah. Smith. Just like, again, if, if Kyle Pitts has another solid year, can't get in the end zone, and Drake London – has an okay year, I think people look at it and go, that was your number one pick. He needs to produce. And I think maybe even le- maybe not even as much as the yardage, Ben. For me, Drake London, 6'4". A lot of us would say potentially not a great route runner, more of a catch radius guy. Like, hey, I'll, you throw it in my general direction and I will get it. That guy's got to be effective in the red zone. Right? And you say, oh, he's a rookie. They're locking down. No. Everybody's getting locked down a lot in the NFL, Ben. You got to figure out a way to get him the ball. He's six four, right? You, you got to figure out a way to get him the ball in the end zone. If Drake London has one touchdown, or two touchdowns, a la what uh, Julio Jones a couple years ago, a lot of people are going, "All right, Drake, you got plenty of yards between the twenties, and you have two touchdowns in seventeen games. That like that's not going to work." So to me, I, I look at this Falcons team and I say, "Are they better than Carolina?" I would like to think so. I would say they are. I'm I'm not going to sit here and homer it up and be like, oh, I mean, they're like shade behind Tampa Bay and New Orleans. I I mean, that, I mean, you'd have to be on some big-time Kool-Aid to start start saying something like that. But I think to me, nobody expects this team to be in the playoffs. What does Arthur Smith do? And I'm interested to see who are the Arthur Smith, Terry Fontenot guys that actually step forward and produce. Richie Grant, second-round pick. A lot of people said wasn't ready for prime time. This year, hurt a lot. Again, the bullets aren't flying. The pads aren't on. Hey, he's starting to come around taking a big step forward. Well, we got to see that on the field, right? I mean, who's an Arthur Smith guy? And again, there's only been one class and a couple of free agents that you feel like has really excelled. Kyle Pitts, but again, kind of. Had a lot of yards, one touchdown. As you know, Ben, uh, and you said on the show, one touchdown, take 300 yards off that and give him six more touchdowns, and that's a big difference uh, at, at, at the end of the day. Less yards, more touchdowns. So, to me, who is Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot brought in that they have 
developed. You hear this in college. Okay, you're getting great players. Who have you developed and coached up to stay at a top player? I mean, people would say this, you know, uh, you look at Mark Rick and Nick Saban. Hey, they get great players. How are you coaching them up and developing that talent? Are guys playing better in the pros than they did at your at, at your play? That was a pseudo-criticism of Mark Rick, right? Mark Rick, man, you are recruiting your tail off. Because I used to tell people that people were like, Georgia just can't get it. I was like, Mark Rick has been the only coach been in the top 10 for a decade straight. Only coach to do that in recruiting. So if Georgia's not getting the players, nobody's getting the players. But a big thing was, man, we get all these great players at Georgia, and they play better in the pros than they did at college. Yep. So I think that's what I'm looking for with Arthur Smith. Who are you getting and who are you making better? They're the guys you want. I know it's not nobody has a 100% hit rate. Bill Belichick, Mike Tomlin, all the good coaches you want to name, Andy Reid, none of them have a 100% hit rate on this is the guy I wanted and he panned out. I get it. But you got to do better than one, right? Who in the draft class last year Really played a lot besides Kyle Pitts. I, the I, answer I, I, is nobody. I, yeah, and 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 you. But you go back far. You go back to twenty twenty one draft. You know, I mean, you talk about a guy Marlon Davidson, right? What has he done? Been dealing with the injury bug. Interior defense line was supposed to play right beside, you know, Grady Jerry. You talk about Kevin. Look, when you got second round picks like like Richie Grant, when you got got second round picks, man, you a top. That but means Troy like, Anderson this year. Yeah, so you got Troy Anderson this year. It's gonna have to be. You want to build through the draft, and you want those guys to develop. Unfortunately, when they don't develop, it puts you behind the eight ball because they're such high draft picks. You don't want to get rid of them too early because another team gonna snatch them up. Uh, you know, uh, you know if they clear waivers. But at the end of the day, you don't have a lot of money to be able to go out there and get a bunch of big time free agents. You was able to get Hayward. You was able to get Tease Tabor. So that was, that was two nice pickups. Lorenzo Carter. So these are, I mean, Casey Hayward is at the end of his career. Tease Tabor and uh, you know, and a guy like Lorenzo Carter, they're trying to get big time deals. So they they signed a two year, one year deal. These are guys that are gonna help. AJ Terrell panned out. AJ Terrell is one player. AJ Terrell was also not a Arthur Smith, Terry Fontenot selection. Exactly. Terry Font right now, Terry Fontenot, I mean, he's bad. He's he's bad and pretty good in the first round, and it gets real dismal because you gotta you gotta you gotta run it back in the twenty twenty one draft. He just didn't pan out. So I think that when you think about Fontenot now is they're saying, look, we're going to give you time to develop it, but while we are developing, other teams are getting better. And they're not going to just take a year off once we figure out (laughs) what we're doing. The best quarterback in the league is also the oldest in our division, is also the oldest player in the NFL. So I I just think for me, Kevin, it's going to have to be guys are going to have to step up. That's the NFL. You can't just want to cash the checks. You can't just want to just put on a uniform. Can't just want to just be there on Sunday. You got to go out there and produce. We'll come back. Home team, Brandon Lee going to join us. We'll talk some Braves baseball with him as the Braves welcome in the Giants and Dodgers this week. Going to be a big week there at Truist Park. He joins us next here on 3 and Out. Good to have you back here on 3 and Out. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. Glad you're making us a part of your day. Big week in Atlanta. The Giants come in and then... The L.A. Dodgers, Jordan is here. He is the uh, co-host of The Locker Room on 680 The Fan in Atlanta. Good friend of the show. Home team, Brandon Lee joins us. Home team, welcome. How are you? Gentlemen, doing fine. Thanks for having me again. Hey, appreciate you coming on. A big week for Atlanta. They get rid of all those quote-unquote easy teams that uh, the Mets fans were, were liking to throw around there on uh, on uh, the Twitter sphere the last uh, month or so. You get San Francisco and the Dodgers coming in. Let's start there. Jock Peterson back in uh, in the house tonight. What kind of reception do you expect for him? And has there ever been an athlete in Atlanta provide as much impact in such a short amount of time and then they're gone? 
Well, uh, he is going to get a thunderous applause. Uh, we were talking today on our show who was going to get the longer ovation, Jack Peterson or Freddie Freeman this weekend. But Jack certainly, with the juice that he brought, energy, the swagger that he brought, you know, everything he did was fun. During the home runs and the game-winning and game-changing moments he made through a World Series run, and I think it's going to be a lot of time before he gets a chance to take his first pitch when he steps into the batter, batter's box this time. As far as, you know, somebody coming to town and making an, an immediate impact, um, you know, when Fred McGriff came, and uh, obviously he stayed a little longer, but hitting a home run on his first night and everybody fired up that night that the press box caught on fire uh, downtown at Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, I think that was a spark for the Braves. But Jock Peterson, what he did, what he did general, uh, generationally, and, you know, young people and older folks could appreciate his genuineness and, you know, kind of outside of the box of what the Braves' personalities usually are. I think he will certainly be unique and remembered for a long time by a bunch of Braves fans. And home team, when you think about a guy like you mentioned, a guy like Jock Peter, he became that vocal uh, leader. I mean, when you talk about this Braves team, they don't lack personality. They don't lack talent. They don't lack star power. But Jock Peters was like, dude, you guys are walking around like you're not one of the best teams in baseball. Talk about, you know, obviously when you talk about uh, the ceremony, everybody was thinking, is he going to say it? It's one thing to say it, but to be such a key contributor coming on a team that, that had just lost Ron Lacuna Jr., he has a sound bite that will live on in Atlanta Braves uh, fans' minds forever. Well, yeah, I think he was being himself. And, you know, the Braves typically have not had a lot of personalities outside of the clubhouse. Everything has been generated because of the player you were on the field or the moments that you created. You know, there haven't really been a lot of guys who've been, you know, microphone superheroes, if you will, that kind of – you know, talk and keep everybody fired up. The Braves have been pretty consistent over the last 30 years, and he was a guy who came in at the trade deadline, uh, really wasn't in the Braves organization, so he wasn't, you know, familiar with the culture, just came in and, and had a chance to be himself. And now you see in the residual effects, you know, what, what Arcia was doing last year, Ronald Acuna Jr.'s natural uh, ability to fire up his teammates. I mean, it was a perfect fit. So it was a lot of fun, and all of the fun that Braves country had, uh, he certainly had his part in the sandbox of building uh, a nice, nice, uh, memorable situation and also came up with the clutch hits. Home team Brandon Leak joining us, host of The Locker Room on 680 The Fan in Atlanta. And home team uh, kind of made reference to it. They had a month or so the Braves just went through, played really well where they were playing teams sub-500. Now you get the Giants, who record basically the same as as the Atlanta Braves. How do you view the team now? Won 14 in a row, finally lost a couple, but 15 and 2 of the last 17. Now they're playing some teams that also have postseason expectations. What do you expect to see from the Braves next couple of nights as they try to finish up the month here in the next 10 days or so? Well, it's interesting. You know, it'll be somewhat a, another chapter to the season. The first chapter... Braves were a little bit below average. They couldn't hit. They kept striking out. Second chapter, some injuries popped up. Third chapter, uh, they go on an incredible tear of 14 in a row. And now you have a new chapter where you reset. You're six games behind the Mets, and you're within striking distance the rest of the season. And now we get a chance to see if you can keep some of that mojo going. You're you're playing some really good teams with the with the San Francisco Giants and the Dodgers coming to town. The question will be, can you win this homestand, seven games, can you have a winning record? Can you be two games over 500? Keep pace and keep pressure on the Mets. 
I think that's what this chapter of the Braves will present as you get closer to the All-Star break. Home team, how dangerous can this Braves team be? I mean, you go at the start of the season, I mean, they couldn't even win a series. They couldn't win three in a row. You know, now you talk about in last, you know, 17 games, they you know, they 50, they 15 and 2. And I know the schedule now is starting to be more favorable. They're not going to be better than the teams they they taking the diamond with out there on the field with. How, but how dangerous can this team be? And can they go on another run, especially with still trying to keep pace with the Mets? Well, I think it's a situation where we've seen their best. We've seen their worst at the beginning of the season when everybody was just striking out and all those games we had four hits and three hits and two hits. We've seen them at their worst. We've seen them at their best throughout the 14-game winning streak where you had the bottom of the lineup deliver, Michael Harris delivering, Orlando Arcia delivering. And, you know, the funny part is throughout that 14-game winning streak where they rolled into Chicago, Ronald Acuna Jr. was one for 17. So he wasn't even a part of the tear. And you know what kind of damage he brings to the plate. I think you get a chance to kind of see, you know, where this team is. And even in the winning streak, even playing teams with sub-500 records, every team, and we've talked about this on our show, every team has an ace. Every team has a very good pitcher. And, you know, you could have gone 12-2. and two. You could have gone, you know, 10-4 and four and still had a good record. But you were finding ways still to beat the best pitcher that other teams will roll out. And we're going to get a chance to see that tonight with Logan Webb, who's a strikeout artist, going against Max Reed tonight at Truist Park. Home team Brandon Leak joining us here on 3 Now. We're also late June. As you mentioned, all-star break uh, coming up in about three and a half, four weeks or so. We know what the Braves did at the deadline Last time, I mean, with the emergence of Michael Harris, you know Eddie Rosario appears to be coming back post-All-Star break. Don't know necessarily what Mike Soroka stands, but the five you're running out there uh, every day to start on the bump look pretty good. Are these Braves going to be active at the trade deadline in a month? And if, if so, where do you think they're looking to kind of shore things up? It's funny. We talked to Alex Anthopoulos uh, a week ago, and he talked about that, you know, where you are in the standings, uh, how close you are, how you are playing. There are a lot of factors that go into making a move. And, you know, one of them is not making a move too soon. You know, uh, you know, a month ago the Braves were ten and a half games out of first place. You don't want to start making moves if they weren't able to cut into the lead and, you know, start trading guys and, and start building for a second-half runner for next year and maybe lose the clubhouse and lose the fans because it doesn't feel like you can win. Well, now that the Braves have turned it on, question will become where are they when they get closer to the end of July because Eddie Rosario he's going to be coming back Ozzy Albies is going to be coming back Mike Soroka is going to be coming back the question will be where are your deficiencies in trying to either keep pace with the Giants in the wild card status or if you get closer to the Mets and walking them down would you really need to make a move with some reinforcements coming back in by default and home team, do you think this team, I mean, not saying you want to see them go in as a wild card, but because you've only seen them win in at least the last four years since Snit, and obviously, uh, you know, Anthopolis have been tied to the hip, can they show a little human side by getting in in a wild card and still competing? Because it's about getting in the playoffs. Obviously, you want to control your own destiny by winning the division, but getting in should be the priority. Oh, no question. You know, you'll take it how you can get it. I mean, clearly you would want – home field advantage and anybody who had a chance to go to any of the playoff games or the world series games last year certainly got a chance to see how this park has been weaponized uh getting fans in there but you know once you get in you have to win at home and you have to win on the road as well so i think we are so far away 
from what the end of the season is going to bring. I think what's most important is managing the team, and Brian Snicker has done a fantastic job of setting his roster and his lineups, um, managing the team throughout this injury situation that they have going on, seeing if you can keep plugging in the William Contreras and the guys that are hot when they're hot, and just find out where you are as you get closer to July 31st. And who knows, maybe you just need a reliever. Maybe you just need somebody to help out with a, a starting pitching role from time to time. Maybe there isn't a big move that the Braves may need to make to walk down the Mets or to make it to the postseason this year. And there's one I forgot about, uh, home team Kirby Yates is another guy that could be back uh, helping out that bullpen. Exactly. So, you know, it's not, not a lot of weaknesses if everybody is back. The question is, when will everybody get back, and what kind of rolling of the dice would you like to do to wait and see if they're going to be at full capacity? Home team Brandon Leak joining us here, host of The Locker Room. And home team, we, we talked at, at the beginning about Freddie. Uh, big week uh, emotionally for the Atlanta Braves when it comes to that. Uh, we talked earlier on on this show. I mean, Tom Glavin got booed when he went to the Mets. He took the money. Uh, I, I know Freddie people probably thought, hey, this is a Braves lifer. But, I mean, essentially, Freddie waited to try to take the money and got squeezed out and, you know, left to go because of the money, I guess, essentially. How do you think – are they similar in any chance, uh, any way, shape, or form, or is Tom Glavin's situation a lot different than – how you think Freddie's going to be uh, remembered not being in Atlanta? I think we'll have to wait and see Friday because I'm in the minority, I think, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe most people will shower Freddie Freeman, you know, with the accolades that Jock Peterson, I believe, is going to get tonight. But there's been a lot of people upset, and I haven't been in that number. I just felt like Freddie Freeman, you know, took a chance. He had a bad negotiation with the Braves. And the Braves moved on, signed Matt Olson, and couldn't wait for him in order to take care of their other business. Some people look at it as an affront that Freddie Freeman got greedy, and if he wanted he, the, the, the standard operating line, if he wanted to be a Brave, he could have been a Brave. All he had to do was take what was in front of him. But I'm looking at it as a guy who's in his 30s. It's the last mega contract he's ever going to sign, so he's got to maximize that leverage and opportunity coming off of a World Series win and then before that coming off of an MVP season. So it will be very interesting to see what what wins out, the cheering or the booing when Freddie Freeman comes up. What I really hope is that a lot of people don't let one round of negotiations between Freddie Freeman and the Braves erase what he did for a decade when he was certainly a part of some bad teams and certainly a part of one of the greatest teams of all time to win a world championship, and I hope he's properly saluted when he takes his first at-bat. After that, he can be booed unmercifully. But <laughs> at that first at-bat, I think you can give him his kudos and, and show appreciation for 10 years of service in a Braves uniform. And, and sure, for, I, I just do you see any difference between him and, and Tom Glavin and the way that those situations went down by the fans? Because obviously Tom left for the money, and I feel like fans, especially in today's day and age where it's so rare, when they think you're going to be a lifer and then – it doesn't work out. They get upset. Is there any parallel? Is Freddie's situation different than how it went down with Tom Glavin? Uh, well, it depends on I don't think so. I mean, the bottom line is they were both brazen. and they both left. So, for me, no. You know, fans don't have to be rational. They don't have to walk things through and compare things exactly to be the same. You know, Tom Glavin was also the president of the Players Association, so there was somewhat of a twisting of his arm. He was offered a deal by the Mets that was more than the Braves were offering him, and you can't take less money when you're fighting for player salaries at the time to get as much as you can. So he had to also make the move 
based on what was best for him and his family, but also what was best for the players involved in the game of baseball. You know, I was there when he got booed, and I thought it was, I thought it was terrible. They had just signed. I thought you would at least give him a, a little bit of a hand clap when he came out. But, no, he was booed. And so I have no idea what's going on. I think there is a little bit of hypocrisy because I think all the people who would boo Todd Glavin or may boo Freddie Freeman, if somebody uh, offered them more money to leave their job and they thought about it and took it, I, I don't think they would look at themselves as bad guys. Yeah, but Brandon, man, I, I mean, I, you know, I, I just look at it a little bit different. I mean, sometimes, you know, you boo him because that's how much you love to play. It's not that you don't appreciate his contribution because, I mean, listen, I was Freddie Free, that man, to the end. I mean, a guy that was there, that stood the test of time from a bad team to stand there long enough to watch a team get to where they're trying to get. And it would be different if he just took a boatload of more money from the Dodgers. But something these play, these fans are going to be booing. Gonna, listen, man, we love you, but we can't stand the fact that you got on that, that Dodgers blue. I think that's a sign of respect, even if they are booing him. Yeah, you can look at it that way. And look, you buy a ticket, there, there are no rules to be in fans. Except for just don't run on the field or the field of play. Other than that, you do what you want to. And, you know, I, I'm just – I'm of the opinion – you know, when somebody does great works for the team and for the community and then they move on, nobody stays. Nobody stays. It is very rare in sports that people stay. Look at how many teams, you know, have lost their superstars. Look at somebody like Russell Westbrook. Look at LeBron James. You know, people don't stay. And I know, I know it's an emotional attachment with fans, and so it doesn't have to be rational, but I'm just of the ilk. You know, one day Trey Young might not be a Hawk. You know, Freddie Freeman is not a Brave anymore. Matt Ryan is not a Falcon anymore. We're going to boo Matt Ryan when the Colts come in next year. You're going to give him a standing O when they see him come out for the first time and then boo him or cheer the defense if they get him down to the ground. I, it's to each his own. My thing is when people put in the time and they put in the work in the community, when they go on, when they come back the first time, show a little tip of the cap if you want to. And if not, that's your right as well. Home team Brandon Leak, our guest here on 3 Not Home team, always a pleasure. Thanks much. Anytime, guys. Home team Brandon Leak joining us here on 3 and Out. And the Braves will get to say their hellos to Jock Peterson. And then, of course, Freddie Freeman coming up later this week. It's 3 and Out, Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here. Braves and Giants coming up in just a little bit when we are done. 6.05, we'll have pregame coverage. Ben, you and I were talking during the break. Braves and Giants, four games the next couple days. They are both tied for the second wild card spot presently. The Braves at home are 20 and 14. The Giants are 19 and 14 at home. Braves on the road are 18 and 15. The Giants are 18 and 14 on the road. The Braves have scored 317 runs. The Giants have scored 316 runs. Braves have allowed 271. The Giants have allowed 273. They are the same. They are basically uh, the same. But Jock Peterson in the house uh, tonight. I'm going to get that ring. And then obviously you got three or four more days to go uh, with the Giants and then Freddie comes in. Again, your thought. We talked about it with home team. I know you said, hey, I think he's going to get booed. Just because I do think there's a little bit of difference in Tom Glavin, who just left for huge cash, and people held it against him. Hey, like, hey, man, you're at the end of your career and you're ditching us for huge cash. I get that you're the player guy, your player rep, and it's like, hey, if I'm the player rep and I take less money, you guys are going to be looking at me going, I thought you were looking out for us and you're taking less money. But. Freddie had opportunities to sign. Mm -hmm. He didn't leave for that much more. He had to sign with the Dodgers after the trade because, again, it sounds like you kind of tried to play the game with your agent, and the Braves said, look, we we just can't wait all day. we got to move on, and you bring in Matt Olson. I 
I don't know. I don't know what to expect on Friday when Freddie, uh, you know, gets called out there. I mean, I don't, I don't need the Kevin, but I, I I wouldn't be surprised with anything. I'm I'm ready for anything because Freddie Freeman meant a lot. I mean, at one point, he was the only good thing you had to look forward to as, as far as, like, pro sports in Georgia. Falcons <laughs> wasn't doing well. Hawks wasn't doing well. It, it's like Freddie Freeman, Freddie Freeman, Freddie Freeman, Freddie Freeman, right? Now, Kevin, you know, he listen, he, he kind of did the right way. He, I'm not – I'm mad that Freddie Freeman left, but I understand why he left. That doesn't mean I ain't mad. Like, I could be understanding and disappointed at the same time. That's all – that's what the fans are really saying. Now, no, no, no. That's what I'm saying. The fans like, no, I don't got to understand nothing. Like the fans go, I don't have to understand the business. I pay, I pay tickets. I come watch. I'm a supporter. That's what I do. And if I was supposed to go to a team that's going to give me 150 mil and another team was going to give me 190, that's a big jump. But when you look at the numbers, going, dude, it, it, it's not even. Is that even a different contract? I start. You start saying to yourself, Kevin, it was really about saving face at that point. Because how much was it? He didn't take it from the Braves. They like, okay, let me just go over here. Even even if it's not that much more money, even if it really isn't that much more money, I'm just trying to save face. I get it. That's well, he kind of. If people remember, he kind of threw it back on the Braves. Like I was. He's like, I was shocked. I was. Spe- I didn't talk to anybody for hours because I just thought I was going to be a Brave. And it's like, but, but they made you an offer that, in retrospect, was a fair offer. Very right, because I, I, I think you'd have more sympathy on your side if it was like, "Hey, the Dodgers gave me thirty million a year, and the Braves offered me 18. Okay, people will be like, "Braves, quit being cheap." That's the reason he's gone. But it drug out and drug out and drug out, and then as you said, Ben, it got to the point where, "Hey, the season's starting soon. We got spring training going to be started. It's going to be a shortened spring training. We, how long are we going to draw this thing out?" Actually, spring training was going on, right? Because Matt Olson was in Oakland or in Arizona, and they're like, "Hey, go get your stuff." You're going to Florida. And, the, and Alex Anthopoulos was like, look, man, we can't have this back and forth. And they called, you know, Freddie's agent's bluff and said, look, okay, we can't wait any longer. Yeah. We, we made a move. Yeah. And we got Matt Olson, who's younger, uh, gave him a pretty dang good deal for eight yeah. years to be yeah. the first baseman. And right now he's on pace to break the franchise record for uh, doubles in a season. And I think Freddie was like, kind of threw it back like, I was shocked. I didn't know what was going on. And then, you know, I think some people thought maybe a little crocodile tears uh, when he did the presser in Los Angeles about, oh, you did the Braves and all that. It's like, no, you you wanted this to happen in some respects, I got to think, because you're a California guy. So I, I, I really don't know what the reception is going to be on Friday, but I think that's going to be can't miss if you are a Braves fan to watch what happens. Because, again, I don't know. Inside it feels wrong to boo Freddie Freeman because he meant so much to the Braves, and at the end of the day, mm-hmm. he brought you a title. Mm-hmm. What more do you want? I want him to be a Braves lifer. Once home team says, who does that? Mm-hmm. Not because it shouldn't happen, but, but who does it? Yep. Tom Brady, he's the GOAT. Nope. He's been on two teams. Mm-hmm. Who's the next best quarterback? Peyton Manning. Oh, he's two teams. Mm-hmm. Oh, but what about Russ? Two he's teams. now on his second team. And don't think if it gets to be 35, 36 years old, Pat Mahomes might not. I mean, right now you're talking Aaron Rodgers, who's been in the league a long time, has been on one team. Mahomes, maybe, but he's got a long Eli way Manning, to go. Eli, Eli, Eli Manning and Ben Rosenberg, they might, they might, they might be well, dinosaurs when it's all said and done. Right. And Kevin, it's like you said. Look, <clears throat> this not the dinosaur ages of negotiations to where we don't really know what's going on. We can see what's going on in real time. Sure. And when and when and, and like you said, it's it's the theatrics. Don't give me the crocodile tears, man. They offer you before the lockout even happened. 
You already got your deal. So, it, so the new year, new league year, you can sign it. Well, you're trying to play hardball when you know how to. It ain't Alex Anthopoulos. We offered you $5 million more than the highest paid. What else do you want us to do? We're not going to reshape the market. Too many BJ Bennett's of the world be thinking, man, he deserves. <laughs> no, dude. You got to. Listen, I'm not taking away his production, but how old is he? Well, no, but I don't even think the Braves were disrespectful. That's what I'm saying. They like, were. I, I, they I, I were. look at it and say, like, did he get what he wanted? No, but I don't think the Braves' offer was so far. Like, you can you be disrespected with the offer? Absolutely. I don't think that was one of them. Was it? I, I don't think it was one of them. So I was, was, was going to be the highest paid player in baseball on a team that had just won a World Series, and we were going to be good for years to yeah, come. Yeah, the highest paid first base. You're right, exactly. Right, so, hey, I'm, I'm ready for that. I'm also excited to see what Braves fans have for Jock Peterson, who apparently is wearing the pearls already Jack. today. We got more to come. It's three and out Southern Pigskin Radio Network. And we were talking about Jarrett Payton earlier today on uh, the show, as a matter of fact. So good to have him bring us back here on the show. Ben, we got the Braves and the Giants coming up. We'll have it for you in about seven minutes, uh, eight minutes, eight minutes here on uh, uh, after us. Max Freed, Logan Webb, Braves, six games behind the Mets who won this afternoon. So a chance to pull it back to five and a half if they win it tonight. And, of course, Jock Peterson getting his ring before the game. Braves, go out there and handle what you need to handle. Jack Peterson, appreciate the contributions, man. You deserve this ring, man. I already got the pearls on. Definitely was a key contributor. Enjoy yourself tonight. Just don't ask Jock about fantasy football rules. <laughs> you might end up in a uh, in a fight at the end of the day on who's an IL player and who isn't. So, Jock, appreciate it. <laughs> no, I'm not getting in your fantasy football league, and we'll see what happens on the field tonight. We'll see you tomorrow. If you miss any of the show, ESPN Coastal on YouTube. Go to our YouTube channel, ESPNCoastal.com as well. We'll see you tomorrow.